In this episode of The Full Nerd, Sapphire's Ed Chrysler answers your questions. That's fine. We're going to go with that. And your questions. And your questions and my questions. (laughs) Welcome to the special edition of The Full Nerd. I'm your host, Gordon Long, with co-host Brad Charkas. Hello, Internet. Special guest, Sapphire's Ed Chrysler. Hey, hey. <laughs> and Adam Patrick Murray controlling the vertical and horizontal. Is, is it just Sapphire or is it Sapphire Technologies? I, I was looking and I, I had a hard time with it. Technically, it's Sapphire Technologies. Most people just call it Sapphire and that's Okay, enough. okay. I, I wasn't sure. You know, I, I try to put the right thing in the description. So, <laughs> Just as long as you're buying the video cards, I don't care. Because if you don't buy the video cards, I don't eat. And while I've got a little room for for that, no, no, I need to eat more. I need to. And that's what we're here to talk about is uh, graphics cards. Man, I'm starving. Yeah. So, Ed, you go way back in PC PC gaming, uh, GPUs, right? I mean, you want to give us a little bit of your resume Um, here so people. I first started computer gaming in 1977. That was on the Plato system which was a big mainframe out of the University of Illinois, which you hear this all the time. It was the base of the Internet. It really was the base (laughs) of the Internet because Plato would go out of the University of of Illinois. It was like 25 colleges in the United States and about 15 colleges overseas, including England and South Africa. And I was gaming with people from England and South Africa in 1977. So, um, and then I moved my first personal PC about six months later. My grandfather bought me the TRS-80, the original Model 1. And I've just been doing it ever since. Good old good old Trash 80s. I was just talking it, to another person about old the original Trash 100 sort of pseudo yeah. laptop. That, you know, people I know Bill Gates actually wrote the basic for that original Trash 100, I think. I can believe that. Yeah, so... My, my uh, first portable was the, um, oh, what was it? It was their luggable. It, I, I don't know if you remember this. It was like this this weird-shaped case with this metal front with two clips. You take the clips off. That was the keyboard. There was your monitor. It ran on CMP. It was like a 4P or something. Oh, but it was really deep, right? It was like a Oh, it yeah, was like it a was huge. It was, it was 50 pounds. <laughs> Because I thought, and we're uh, yeah, we're, we're going to kick this off with the old school computer talk. Apparently, my favorite favorite like the form factor. There was a Compact Three that I used, and when I worked in an accounting department, a software company, but it had a plasma screen, orange plasma screen that yes. folded out. It was beautiful, and then you you the keyboard uh, flipped in top, but it was a lunchbox size. So it was a lunchbox, not not the suitcase. It was, that, that was, was like tiny. Yeah, it was like it was an incredible like. That was like at that time it was like wow. This now is was a- it a full PC or was it basically a, a smart terminal? No, it was a full two eighty six. Uh, it, I don't remember <laughs> two eighty six. Okay, yeah, the four P's a little older. <laughs> yeah, it must have been. A, it must have been a two eighty six. It could have been. I'm trying to think of what the vintage would have been late eighties. So it could have been even a three eighty six at that time. But um, so it had a modem in it because it was. <laughs> I mean, you know, this this was my company's computer, and they were like six, seven thousand dollars, but it had a modem in it. So I have a really good friend. We go way back, back when he was a you know PC gamer nerd, and he, so he had a modem. I had a modem. So we both had a, we bought copies of Corvette, 
And then we, nice. we, we, we dialed up each other and then we were racing in Corvette. You know, I was using this, you know, uh, luggable computer and he had his, his computer. It was like, oh my God, you know, so yeah. That, that was, modems were fun. Uh, well, they weren't fun when you were a kid. Um, yeah. I, I used to play a lot of pen and paper games like uh, Top Secret and Champions. And they had they had bulletin boards in their in their corporate office that you could go download extra material from. Well, when you're young, you don't think about long distance phone charges, something that the kids today have no idea what it is. And you're using a 300 baud modem. Okay, so you're you're downloading this file and it's taken an hour and a half, two hours to download this file. And you don't think anything of it. Everybody in the house is asleep. Nobody needs the phone. It's all good, right? The mom got the phone bill. <laughs> <laughs> I got what let I had. The, let the beatings like commence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if, like, hmm, did she call, try to call up the phone company and dispute it? Or just simply, okay, you're paying for this for the next 10 years of your allowance. So. <laughs> well, you got a lot at, of loans to mow. <laughs> she looked at the... She looked at the um, time stamp on the on the bill because it told what time of day the call was made and she knew who did it so it's really funny because i'm sure if i went and asked my kids do you understand what a long distance charge is they'd be like what what is that is that on <laughs> is that on a zoom call or i don't understand <laughs> yeah we are going old school already but you know what uh do we want to kick into some modern stuff here so the so younger we go back kids, and forth younger kids can understand we can go back and forth. Young kids, get off our lawn. Yeah. <laughs> or at least get off our long distance. You bill. know, though, real quick, real quick, because I get people that ask me why I think it's important for people like you and I to, to discuss this stuff. There's a perspective we bring that I don't think a lot of the young kids understand. We know why this got to where it got today. Right. We were there and watched it evolve. Most most people today, they're getting into PC gaming or PCs in general. Look at it and see what is today. But we were there. We were there when all of this happened. Yeah. And it it's it's I think it's a cool perspective. And I think it's valuable because I know people think I'm a crank because I always bring this up. But, you know, I've gone through PCOs being under attack and it it has been a fight to get here to make the PC to just get people to acknowledge it's not going away. And that's people right. don't understand that because they think it's crazy. Especially PC gaming. Yeah, especially PC gaming. They think it's crazy that, no, the PC, everybody just simply understands Windows, PC, I mean, you know, Linux folks, sorry, you know, but it's not going away. It's just not, it's just simply an everyday tool. It's, it's an appliance in your home, like your refrigerator, your oven that you're going to have. And it's just always going to be there. And nobody's going to, it's never going to go away. And But it was a fight to get here, to get that acknowledgement. So sometimes I think it's it needs to be brought up what it took to get here so people understand that, yeah, there, there will be times will it, when it's going to be bad again. And there's going to be times when it's right now. Could it ever be better to be a PC gamer? I mean. Oh, God, no. Oh, my God. Right? You you kids don't understand the golden age you live in. I know. Sorry, auto, Brad and Adam are like, like oh, come on. Auto, auto X hey, I've been doing it since mid-80s. I know, but still. <laughs> this is like when you're, you, you guys are like when Ed and I are like hanging outside the liquor store and you just want to go in. Get your Mickey's, whatever, your your beer, and go. But now you're stuck talking to the old folks talking in front. Like, hold on. Back, <laughs> back in our day, we had to run moonshine. But no. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so but, go on. Give me a question. Let's get rolling. Uh, I so you know one of the first questions I want to ask because you know obviously Sapphire has you sell reference boards, I believe, right? Your reference cards. Well, yeah, every partner sells reference cards. So, can you explain to us? what a, refer- a reference card is and what purpose it serves. And then also part of the community really right now just thinks reference cards are a total waste of time. They're just trash. Why even make these stupid things, you know, X company, Y company, just let's just go with aftermarket boards and not waste our time with reference boards. What, what do they reference do? Cards, reference cards are the baseline. They are what you need to make this GPU function. And that, that's what's given to the, to the partners. Here's your baseline. Here's what you've got to design around. These are the features you're going to have to install to make this work. You're going to have to install like this setup for VRM and, and this path tracing for the way the memory works and stuff like that. That's a reference card. And they are made very inexpensively. They, they really are. We all know this. Uh, too many reference cards look like they've had a Coke can that's been crunched to make it cooler. We all know this. Um, but they are a low-cost, quick-entry card. And what happens is is the company that makes the chips, NVIDIA or AMD, makes these cards and then gives them to the partner, well, sells them to the partners and say, put these out there to let them at launch day of the chip be able to have a card. That's the purpose. The reason that that, that has to exist is there's a time lag between when we get a reference card, and this is every partner, when you get that reference card and when you can actually have your own design produced, you've got a time lag in there. You've got to develop the, the motherboard. You've got to have the, the motherboard set up for or the PB, PCB. You got the PCB set up for production. You've got to pick the appropriate cooler. You've got to pick the appropriate shroud design, the fan design, everything else you need. So there's always this time lag. And the reference card is designed, I think, to fill in that time lag to give you a way to sell to the early adapter consumers. Reference cards have a good market for people that want to liquid cool, custom liquid cool, because everybody else's design is a little different. So you can't make that water block where it works on everybody's card, but a reference design you can, because they're all the same card. That That's my opinion on why we have a reference design. So the people who think they just are trash, they're sort they're, of mis- They're not trash. I don't think they're as efficiently designed as they can be. They're designed to be lower cost. That's that's kind of, well, okay, with the exception of some companies that charge you a premium for the reference card, <laughs> evidently. I'm trying to be polite here. But they're designed to be lower cost. They're designed to be quick, simple production to give that gap filler until the partners can bring up their boards to full steam. That segues kind of into a question that I had because it's something that doesn't get talked about publicly enough. I'm not sure how much you can say. Obviously, I'm talking general here, nothing specific to anything going on now. Uh, just kind of wondering, what's kind of like the timeline for a graphics card launch? Like, what happens? Can you walk through the general process of how a graphics card launch? Well, a, a lot of a lot of this design stuff, I don't get to be a part of. Uh, okay. I'm not in the high-end technical part. I'm in the the marketing end, but the marketing end has a place, and there's some there's some basics that that apply to all of this. Okay, so a company gets given a chip. You've got a chip now, and you've got to produce a graphics card. Okay, the next thing you have is you've got a target price. 
And this is usually defined by AMD or NVIDIA, but in some ways it's defined by the partner as well. So you've got a target price and you've got a chip. Now what you've got to do is, is do a balancing act. You've got a balance between features and performance and noise and cooling potential and, and looks and size, and all of this still has to fit within that price envelope. Mm-hmm. So there's always a give and take. There's always a, a, a pull down and a push up and, a, and, and another way that you've got to tweak these designs to make them function. People think that we, you just make the card, you throw it together, and you toss it out there. And it's not that. It's actually a complicated process to get this balance in place. And this is more complicated behind, and I'm sure, Gordon, you've heard this, and you too, Brad, from other partners. The margin on video cards isn't very big. It's pretty tight. Yep. So there's really a lot of work that's got to go in to get that balance and stay within that price point but deliver the feature set that's important to the gamers. I, I just don't think most people appreciate how much effort has to go into the balancing act that goes on. Yeah. That makes me interested because you guys rolled out like a uh, trick boost, which actually won right. our PC world's innovation award last year. Yes. Awesome. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, I love use. I use thank it. Thank you for day. that. <laughs> I use it every day. I don't need to. And I use it. So it was designing something like that. That's a real, to me, that's a literal game changer. Like you can get much higher frame rates. Uh, I believe I was testing y'all's 5700 XT and it was getting awfully close to a 2080 Ti in some games and settings. Uh, did developing that, was was that tied into the cost effectiveness of trying to roll out these cards or was you coming at it solely from, we want to use these technologies to boost performance? Like, how did that come into being? Well, there's a little bit of everything. There's also the need to stand out in the industry. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you stand out? You, you know, from reviewing video cards, you know this. You take a reference design. Let's say, let's use 5700 XT. You take the 5700 XT reference design. You take the fastest, out-of-the-box overclock, 5700 XT. The performance delta is 2.5-3%. Yep. There's just only so much you can get out of the chips. And so you can't get any more out of the chips. you got the similar problem with the RAM. So where do you innovate? Well, making a big cooler, well, everybody can make a big cooler. Everybody is. <laughs> make a quiet cooler. Everybody can make a quiet cooler. It really isn't. As, I don't know why some companies have trouble with that. It's really not that hard. So you can do that. Where do you make your product stand out? For us, it was looking at quality of life features. We brought Trix Boost was an example of a quality of life feature because now not only does it apply to this card, it applies to every card. We give you we give you something that nobody else is giving you. And I've, I've heard the argument, well, all it is is technically a custom resolution. Yes, it is. But it's not that simple for anybody else. No one um, else is doing it yet. So we give you this really cool feature that works amazing because it works not just in a small subset of games or a small subset of cards. It works across the board. And we added some other quality of life features to many of our cards. We added removable fans, easy removable fans. As of right now, I think we're the only company still doing that. Um, we added the software bio switch for the Nitro Plus. I know that may not sound like much to some people, but if you ever deal with your BIOS on your video card, not having to open the box is kind of cool. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, it, that, that's something that we're always looking at. We're looking at how do we give the gamer more for the money they're paying for the product? How do we make our product and the experience we offer stand out 
amongst the competition. And that was a lot of the thought behind boost. And it is, it is, it, it is really tough because if you're basically, and I, I know pe- people don't really understand this, but margins on all PC components are generally pretty tight. They're definitely very tight on, on GPUs. You can't like, I'm going to undercut my competition's price because there's just nothing to cut. Everybody's got their big cooler. And so you're doing the software stuff. Uh, it definitely feels like uh, game bundles or, you know, what a lot of people are trying to do. But I remember the old days when you used to get a copy of like WinDVD or something or other kind of right. application stuff. Is it possible, you know, uh, GPU makers could like, you know what, we're going to give you a full copy of XX, which you wouldn't get before. Right. Some of those, some of those add-on features sound cool, but the problem is there's a very limited market for them. Okay, so let's say you use an example. We're going to give a video game. Maybe we're going to give. Uh, we'll use the one they're giving away right now with the CPUs, um, Vikings, the new, mm-hmm. the new Assassin's Creed Vikings. Okay, yeah. But if you don't want that game, that's a completely irrelevant buying point. It's a, it's meaningless. Yeah. So it, it's the same thing with a lot of the applications. A lot of those applications, Gordon, you and I remember that. You get this bundle of software. I would usually throw the disks away. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, true, right? it, it wouldn't get used. So you've got to try to find a way to add a value that affects the most people when you add the value, has the potential to affect the most people with the value you've added. And I, I think Trix Boost did a great job with that. I'm running a 5700 XT on a 1440 monitor. Technically, I don't need to use Trix Boost. I run everything at 90% in Boost. And the reason why I do that is it gave me enough of a performance uplift that I can raise the detail levels across the board and still keep the same frame rate. And you can't tell the difference. You can't see the difference during gameplay. Yeah, if you're using... It's a little more noticeable with 10P, but if you're playing 1440p or 4K, there's no reason not to turn it on. I actually am right. really excited to have you on here explaining the stop process because to me, Trix Boost in particular, but all these software features uh, you're pointing out, really gave you guys some of the most interesting graphics cards to me of these last couple of generations. Like Trix Boost is a literal game changer, and I haven't seen it get a lot of press coverage, and I'm I'm shocked by it because, like. Like with all the issues coming out with the 5600 XT, all the game speeds and everything, you guys had the the faster BIOS right out the door, even with the pulse. And it it's like you, well, know you can how use hard tricks. We work to do that, by the way. I don't under I, I got a little glimpse behind the curtain from various board partners and AMD and stuff, but I'm it sounded like a mess. Uh, but having you guys having that out the door on day one and being able to say, Hey, you know, we don't know how these other cards perform. Here's how Sapphire performs. And you have tricks boost on top of that made it a no brainer. We actually ran an article back when the 5,600 XT came out and said, these are a big mess. You probably don't want to mess with them, but we reviewed the Sapphire pulse. This thing has a bios out and it has Sapphire uh, tricks boost. So that makes it worthwhile. Go get one of those. It's the 5,600 XT just, I don't believe it's getting the press it deserves. It's an amazing card. Yeah. Um, you've got what above above 1080p. You've got 12 percent of PC gamers mm. are very above small. 1080p. Yeah, it's a, it's a small, small percentage. So 88 percent of PC gamers can benefit from this card, but yet it isn't the one that 
everybody wants to talk about. Uh, Gordon, I'm, I'm getting ready, by the way, too, and I'm wanting to stop because you had a question that applies to this. Oh, no, go ahead. Discussing this... how review, reviewers work with this stuff. Yeah, and it really is about the hardware community because people are are so sophisticated now. From when I got into it, the sophistication with hardware reviews is so much more sophisticated. But sometimes I do wonder if it's it drives the conversation a little too much in this, you know, the people who want 11. And I respect those people, you know, because that is a lifestyle that I think is wonderful. If you want to live that style where you want to live 11 out of 10 on your hardware. But it feels like sometimes we're driven a little too hard that everybody thinks they want to run it at 11 when they really don't want to run things at 11. They just want it to work. Do you, what are your main complaints about how hardware is reviewed today, especially GPUs? I, I think that too much focus is, I think too much focus has now been put on pure benchmark numbers. And and there's even, a, in my opinion, to some extent, a wrong focus on how we're benchmarking stuff, okay? For example, Brad, when you go to benchmark a video card, look at the games you benchmark with. 90% of them are shooters, right? A lot of them. I try to mix it up, but yeah. And, and it, the, reason, the reason to do that, the obvious reason to do that, is these require higher frame rates. They, they, they are easier to show on a graph a performance level difference. But then what about the whole community of strategy gamers and role players yeah. that, that really just don't give a crap? There is, there is a misconception am, amongst PC enthusiasts that I'm surprised it still exists. I mean, at some point, you'd think they would have woke up and understand this. Not all gamers are PC enthusiasts. Majority of gamers are not PC enthusiasts. They don't give a shit. They want to just play Ooh. their video games. Yeah, we're trying to get okay. Disney sponsorship. But that's well, okay. that's over now. They just want to play. I'm a sailor. Get ready. Here it comes. They just want to play their video games. Look, look, I'm I'm not a dumb guy. I know how to change my oil. I know how to change brakes. Uh, I plugs, all this stuff. I, I know how to do this. I grew up in the country. You kind of had to learn this stuff. This was just part of life. We grew up doing this. I don't do this today. When I get in my car, I want to turn my key. I want to put it in drive and go down the road. If I have a problem, I call AAA. Now, it's the same thing amongst most PC gamers. They don't want to know this stuff. They want to be able to turn it on, play their video game. And But the focus on all the hardware is on the enthusiast and it feels like it's the 5600 great great card not getting a lot of attention the 5700 gets attention when you go talk to enthusiasts they're like oh but it's 1080p that's what it's designed for well that's the majority of gamers the 5500 xt gets a really bum rap unless you need high refresh rate at 1080p the 5500 xt is an amazing card it does a great job for the value that you put into it it's there just seems to be so much focus on the pure enthusiast in that I feel like the everyday gamers get shafted. They get shafted. They don't get the material they need. Now, Brad, you're not as bad. You're not as bad as most. Well, thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, I, because you actually do look at the everyday products. But mm -hmm. I, I have gotten, not, not from major sites, but I'll get new reviewers that'll contact. It just frustrates me. By the way, if you're a new reviewer looking for somebody to help you get cards, listen to what I'm about to say. 
I'll get a new reviewer and he'll contact me and he's trying to get his channel up. And, and, and Gordon, like I, like I told you guys in the back, I, I did this for, for 20 years as a reviewer on a radio show that I always had a nightmare getting companies to take me seriously because the tech industry didn't understand radio. <laughs> and so I, I get it and I want to help these small reviewers. Right. And so I'll contact them and I'll say, Hey, listen, that's cool. Let's see if we can help you out. Uh, I've got a 5,500 that I can send you to look at. Well, my audience really wants me to look at a 5,700 XT nitro plus no. <laughs> And, and what's you, funny is, if you are a smaller reviewer like that, if you know so many sites are reviewing the 5700 XT or the more enthusiastic software, I think you have a lot of opportunity to focus and go deep on that more affordable stuff. You do. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I, I, I'm guilty of it too. And I, I will, I will admit, because I do the CPU side. Hey, you know what? People want to see 9900K. They want to see 3950X. I want to see it because it, I, as someone who has, you know, you know, I, I, I'm an admitted PC enthusiast. I love seeing what we're getting out of these, these CPUs are awesome. And like, Oh yeah. I five 9,600 K and those Verizon five. Yeah. Let me, I'll do that later. You know, and honestly, cause I, I'm just excited by the high end parts, but you know, and it, and you're right. Cause it shapes the expectation because now everybody tells us, Gordon, you got to have, you got to have eight cores, 16 threads to play games. It's like, uh no not 99 percent of games <laughs> no but I, you know but i mean i were i'm i'm guilty of it i've added to that that as well so well i've talked about the fact that you look at the look at the look at motherboards that are taking place today look at the focus on vrms mm-hmm. there's this massive focus on vrms unless you're running a complete piece of crap motherboard yeah. The VRMs are more than capable of running most chips without an overclock just fine. There's no difference. I did a comparison the other day for some people. I took two different ITX boards. Board A is the one everyone recommends. I'm staying away from brands, but you guys will know what brand I'm talking about just by what I just said. Board A is the one everybody recommends. Board B is the one everybody tells you is complete junk for an ITX board. I buy the complete junk. The reason I buy the complete junk is this. It's got better onboard audio. It's got a better onboard NIC, better onboard Wi-Fi, and the um, the M.2 support is on top of the motherboard instead of under. Okay, so it gives me a better experience in usage. Sure, I can't overclock as far. The VRMs aren't as strong. I don't overclock anyway. And yet people will tell you, you'll go to the site and it's instantly buy this. It's not a better product. Yeah. So the, the focus gets shifted wrong. And it's that that's a frustration to me, not just not just as somebody that's in the industry, but as a gamer. That's a frustration yeah. to me that we can't give gamers good advice. That's, yeah, but that's think- the struggle. I uh you know, just to navel gaze for a minute. You know, my favorite cards of the last few years are things that offer new experiences to people at more affordable price points. So like, yes, the 2080 TI is a wonderful card. It's friggin' 1200 bucks. Like 200 people have it. Uh, to me, one of the most exciting cards of the last few years were actually the Radeon uh, 480, because that was the first card you could get for 200 bucks that could play 1440p games and give you four, eight gigabytes of memory. And I right. should be able to play 1440p for 200 bucks, which is absolutely ludicrous. And like you're saying, you can play, great 1080p gaming right now with something like the Radeon 5500 XT or 
you know, the NVIDIA equivalent. And people don't realize how great that is. Just like, you know, five or six years ago, I had a Radeon 7770. I forget, I forget the point, but it was like a hundred, hundred, uh, $150 card or so. And I had to put everything on low, sometimes drop it to 720p to be able to really play the new games. And these days you can just get in a form card, plug it in and play. And people don't take that experience. And that's the reason I personally love Tricks Boost so much, because it's one of those things that unlocks new experience that you typically used to get for higher price points I'm, at a much I'm more affordable value. you a value. paycheck. You get a check for advertising. <laughs> Thank you for He's that. He's a shill. <laughs> Brad is a shill. Um, nah, not so much. Uh, no, and I, I agree with this, Ed, because I, you know, I, I, get in the internet, I get in arguments on the internet, and I really do believe that sometimes people just need to just step back and put things in perspective, and you you buy the hardware for you. It's a personal computer. Exactly. If you play, if you play RTS, if you play these like esports games, you know you, you don't need you don't need liquid nitrogen running. You know, you know, <laughs> Threadripper thirty two core machine. It's, it'd be awesome to have, and I love bragging too. If you want to do that, that's honestly that is awesome because you can afford it. I can't. At the same time, I don't. Now, as a PC enthusiast, it also makes me fearful because pretty soon you start sounding like you know what intel igp runs plenty of games and honestly it does for the vast majority of people in the world that's what they're playing on they're playing on tablets really they're playing on tablets but i mean for pc gamers igp is a fantastic gives them a gaming experience that they could never get it works it's free essentially and as a somebody who is a PC enthusiast, I'm like, yeah, I would, you know, it's really hard to go, well, you know, you really should have discrete graphics. I just kind of feel like I understand why people always want to go to 11 because the opposite always feels like, well, then IGP is fine, right? Um, you know, maybe spend $80, $150 on a graphics card. But, and I, I just don't want to like, I don't want to sort of say just good enough computing, which to be honest, I think, um, got Intel and got PC gaming in a lot of troubles 20 years ago. Just good enough really almost killed PC gaming for a long time. And that's why I always feel like we also have to support 2080 TIs and these super high-end things that very, very few people buy because if you don't push forward, you get stagnant. And then next thing you know, we're all staring at iPad gaming for everybody. There, and, and there's I, I don't a balance. Want- there's definitely a balance that has to take place. Um, My buddies always give me grief. They'll get ready to do an upgrade and they'll be like, well, you're pushing us and all this other stuff (laughs) because I'm like you, I'm a PC enthusiast, but there is also something that reviewers and people like you and I sometimes forget a lot of the technology we play with. We didn't have to pay for. Yeah. And so that, blurs the perspective a little bit okay so i'm i'm running here like i said i got a 5700 xt i've got a 3800 x with 32 gigs of ram running on a x470 motherboard and blah 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 i wouldn't have bought any of these with the exception of maybe the 56 5700 xt because i really like our pulse carts i wouldn't have bought this stuff because I wouldn't, I don't need this level to truly experience it. And I hear people say, well, why do you use it? It was free. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there's a perspective with that. Now, now, Brad, to something you said, I, I say this a lot, but I, I still think it's hilarious. I have ne- never seen you do this. Okay. So you're not, don't sweat here. 
I'll watch reviewers get these 2080 Ti's or, or these other ultra high-end $1,200, $1,500 video cards, and they'll gush over them. They'll be like, oh, my God, this experience was incredible. Oh, my God, at 4K, and it does this, and it does that, and it does all this cool stuff. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, well, of course it does. It's $1,500. Yeah. At that price, it needs to make me a sandwich, fold my laundry, <laughs> and vacuum the house once a week. Okay? Yeah. I, I, can, I can get by with a $600 video card and get the same experience. So it's it it's a balancing act for the enthusiast and for the everyday. It's the key is the everyday needs to understand the enthusiast is out there because they have the money, they have the desire. The enthusiast needs to understand that they're not the norm. And they need to quit trying to make the industry think they're the norm. They're the outliers, they're the edge. But they're a valuable outlier. They are very valuable. If the people, and I don't, this is why I never could understand all the, I'm sure Team AMD loved all the pushback NVIDIA got, but there was so much pushback on the 20 series. But frankly, I saw it two ways because I know everybody said ray tracing was a a pointless exercise. It was going to go nowhere. But I really saw like, look, if you're an everyday person, hey, buy a 580, hold you over for two years. And the people that are spending the money to buy high-end graphics cards to pave the way, to pave this road, to make it so everybody can drive on it, they're spending their money to make it easier for everybody else. So I think it's both, there really is, everybody's right. But for some reason, you have two camps because we see camps where I get people who say, this is insane. The the 3950X is a total ripoff at seven, you know, $700 or whatever. It's like, this is a 16 core consumer CPU, but, and then, you know, so you get like one camp is like, if this doesn't cost, Elena's not here, but if this doesn't cost $12, there's well, no value here. Chat. He's there in chat. <laughs> but then you get, you get the Uh-oh, like, well, trouble. anybody should wall. If you don't have a 64 core, core Threadripper, then what's up with you, you peasant, you know? And <laughs> it's just kind of like, can't we just agree well, that we both, feel- both things should exist, and there's a lot of that's a matter of a lot of that's a matter of purpose, as you said. If you're a PC gamer, um, I'm sorry, I've got higher end chips, and the 3600 is still fine. It's plenty for gaming. Yep. Um, yep. But if you're going to do live streaming and you're going to do high end rendering, now a Ryzen nine begins to make sense. Yep. And the more time and money you have invested. If you're professional at doing this, then the higher-end Ryzen 9s and the Threadrippers begin to make sense. So there's there's a point. These aren't a waste of money. They're, they're a waste of money if they're not used what they're affected to do. Remember when um, Intel brought out quad-channel RAM? Everybody's like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Quad-channel RAM is going to be great. And it was if you could saturate the channels. Yeah, but could nobody not. could saturate the channels. It was next to impossible for the average user to saturate the channels. You had very specific applications. It was the same thing with Rambus. Rambus was a great idea, but you couldn't saturate what it was capable of doing. And it's the same thing with these higher-end chips. If you're not going to make use of those cores, 
you you paid for something you're not going to use. And before you say, please, God, never use the term future proof. Okay. I, that triggers me when yeah, people say I know. future proof. I've done it. I've done it. I, I, I admit it. You find, it. It's easy to fall for it. It, it. There's no such thing. The technology changes too fast. Yep. Well, you know, the classic. Buy for what's available today. But what always yeah. classic is DDR5 or DDR, you know, when we get to DDR5, people say, well, if you buy DDR5, this is future proof because DDR5 will be the future. You invent, make this investment in RAM, you can use it for whatever. But then, of course, the disconnect is always like, well, I could buy twice the amount of DDR4. And frankly, DDR5 at the beginning will be so low capacity and right. low, low clock that it's better to buy when it's mature and you're getting way more for your money is generally what and, happens. And, but when you buy the DDR5, once it's matured, DDR6 is just around the corner. Right. This, this yeah. idea of waiting for the newest technology is silly. You upgrade when you need to upgrade. Okay, if your games are slow, they're stuttering, you buy now what you need to fix the problem. You don't wait because by waiting, you don't know what you're getting. Okay, we don't know what the new Ryzen chips are going to be. Why would you wait? <laughs> hey, that echoes my thoughts. I've said stuff like you're, that 50,000 times hoping, on here. You're hoping. <laughs> It, I it, no, I see the. I I just hate. I just hate being the last person. The perfect example is you never want to be on the last socket left behind. I mean, it's a better deal, and honestly, it's fine for most people. But I just it always kills me to think I bought the very last AM4 or the very <laughs> ass very last Intel processor in that socket, and you're stranded forever. And you always think I want to be able to put in that next CPU, right? Because that's always that. I, you always think I, it, but almost I, nobody ever does it. <laughs> I know, no, almost nobody ever does it, but I have, and I can. You know, but again, maybe, again, Gordon, you and I are outliers to this. Yeah, that's we're, true. We're we're people at the literal bleeding edge of this technology, and it it's it's an addiction that can get in the way really quick sometimes. Yeah. I, I, I have more buyer's remorse on hardware than I ever care to admit because I'll buy it and I'll go, this is great. This is wonderful. This isn't any better than what I had. <laughs> no, That was my issue actually with first gen Ryzen because it came out with all the multiple cores and everything. AMD actually got pretty mad at me. Uh, but I was upgrading from an overclocked 3570K, I believe it right. was. The old, and, you know, I benchmarked games. I played games versus... Uh, the first gen Ryzen chips, and it wasn't any faster in games to upgrade game wise because I didn't stream or anything like that. Once you started more adding more applications on top of it, it changed the picture, and it's a much different idea now. But at the time that Ryzen came out, if you had waited and bought into the hype and didn't wait for reviews and honest reviews, you'd think it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. But it didn't, you know, functionally behave any faster in games than my 3570K did. Yeah, this, and that actually is, was, I think the internet was mad at you over that one too, Brian. Yeah, a lot of people were mad at me over that, but it is what it is. That's my job to tell people, you know, what this, I find. This and is what back I to, though, the average user should skip a generation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, if, if you had a if you had a first generation Ryzen, second generation Ryzen was a nice bump, third generation Ryzen made more sense to make a purchase of. Mm-hmm. So, um, Adam, I warned you that I would have no trouble going an hour and a half, didn't I? 
Oh yeah, no. This we got is great. through like one of his questions so far. <laughs> no, this is great. I, I will say we have a lot of questions building up from the chat, so you know if we want to slip those in, let me know. I, I was going to say, Gordon, why don't we get to your next question and no. we'll get a couple more yours out. I want to ask this question though, because you point out, and we've been very much bagging on the. You said you've bought hardware you didn't need. You regretted it. Yes, but I and this is now people. This is a real thing, and this, frankly, if I had a lot of money, it was worth it. But, Ed, tell tell me that you have you have bragged to your friends about something you have, right? You you like, come on, you you must have like probably. You, yeah, you know on. what? Probably about the last time I really bragged about technology was. Gosh, I guess we were in the second or third year of the radio show, so that's been. 20 years um at 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 some point during the radio show during all the reviewing process of hardware and software the novelty of having the best wore off really it, okay. it didn't it wasn't it wasn't as important well, you see i used to be a hardcore overclocker dude you go back to the the to the celery 350 baby i loved overclocking i was overclocking everything hey i don't want to hijack this but that's when overclocking meant overclocking. Exactly. That's right. When like, there was I was like, value. people don't know this, but look, you went from 300 megahertz celery to 450 megahertz. Which was, was the like, Pentium 2, was it? Yeah, it was like a, uh, it was like, it was, this, yeah. It was, this is a high-end chip. But you were getting, I mean, the cache was faster, but, you know, was, was faster, but smaller. But in clock speeds, you're getting like a 50% overclock. When the hell have we seen an overclock not running on liquid nitrogen that you could actually get anything well, out of? Sometimes I'll it feels even, like, why are we bothering? You know, I would go even farther. With the exception of AMD products, this is going after Intel, but I think it's got to be done. Why did we remove overclocking from low-end parts? If I'm paying oh. for an expensive processor, I shouldn't have to overclock it. The cheap one is where I'm going to want to overclock it. That move by them was a pure money grab to yeah. stop people from buying low-end parts. Well, it's, and it, it was clever, right? It was it, clever. it was clever, but it was it pissed me off. And yeah, it, 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 it pissed off a lot of people in the technology world. AMD, one of the one of the smartest moves they make was just unlocking everything and saying, "Here yeah. it is. It's unlocked. Go for it." That was a great marketing move by them. It's true, but even so, AMD low-end parts and Intel has some of its low-end unlock parts. You're still not touching the 300. No, you're you're, you're right. The, like, the comparative like, isn't the same. You're right. We don't have this 40, 50, 60% overclock on every day, not on not on just liquid nitrogen and good for a half an hour before something explodes. <laughs> Yeah. I'm talking every day run crisis mode, yeah. um, six hours a day of gaming. You you don't have that anymore. Overclocking as it used to exist has ceased to exist. Yeah. That said, it's, going back to what you were saying earlier about thinking about the everyman, I think it's actually an improvement on things. As much as, you know, I love overclocking. Like, I use that to get extra years out of my chips once they exactly, start to get slow. that's a good use of overclocking. But I think it's great that... The way intelligent boost and stuff happen these days, like the vast majority of normal people who just do plug in their stuff and go for it, 
don't have to work for that extra 50%. You know, the way all the boosts and everything work, you're getting the reason we're not overclocking so much is partly because they're giving that to us out of the box. Right. And I think that's a good thing. Or I've sort of look at it as AMD and Intel have taken all the overclocks for themselves. Yeah, right. sure. There's like, there's <laughs> yeah. no reason that we're going to use that. We're going to like, you know what? No, I mean, which is good, right? Because the, every, the, every nerd is not going to go in and overclock their K part. So if you're just simply intelligently, opportunistically boosting it up to max boost, you know, and it comes down and it's not going to crash, it's not going to blow up, then in the end, that's better for people, except for, you know, hard hardware nerds, right? So. Well, yeah, but, but the hardware nerds find other things. Yeah, they find other things. But, you know, I, bragging rights, I just want to say bragging rights is a legitimate thing. Is a it real is. thing. It, it is. And I won't take anything away from people who want to, you know what, if you want to pull up with your Corvette in front of my house or you know, my friends all own really, really nice BMWs. I got a clapped out Honda. It's more power to them. <laughs> I, I love their cars. I wish I could afford one, but I, I think it's awesome. So I'm not going to be a hater and like, ooh, why don't you just but, buy a Honda Accord? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to hate on them, but I, I think what really gets me mad isn't that they bought that stuff but they look down on people that don't. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do it the right way. Say, Oh man, I just really, they really killed me on this. You know, the backwards pat yourself in the back. Yeah. This thing was 150 grand. Oh, I just really got taken to the cleaner. Okay. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. I might have to spend a hundred extra hundred dollars a month for the power on my CPU, but I got that extra 10%. <laughs> <laughs> I let me, I just want to slip this in. Sorry, Adam. And then we'll let some questions get in here. I have a friend. He bought a beautiful, BMW diesel. Somebody somebody ran a, a light, took out his car, oh. totaled it. He got the exact same car from insurance, but he goes, hey, my old car had better seats. I'm putting the, the old seats into the new car, the insurance companies, whatever, as long as you put the seats back in. Puts the seats from old wrecked car into new car, check engine light. They clear check engine light, and then the seat no longer works. After going to several dealers, several mechanics, it turns out the official word from BMW is you can't put seats from this car, even though it's the exact same model car, into this car. The seats have DRM, so they are (laughs) tied to that car. Even though it's the same model, but this model had this seat, it has to stay with that car. Okay. I'm I, not I gotta, making that up. I got to tell the story that, that you're going to love this story. And Adam, we're just going to, like I said, we're going to ramble. I can go all day. It's fine with me. It, my voice holds out. We got a Jeep Cherokee, bought it brand new. It's a 2000, I want to say it's a 16. So in 2017, they introduced, um, what's that app from Google that lets you take over the, the center console of your car? Android Auto. Uh, okay. So yeah. Android Auto, they introduced that. And so I called Jeep and I said, hey, listen, and I love my Jeep. Okay, I love my Cherokee. Great, great vehicle. I said, I'd like to have this feature. And I know it's on the next, it's on the next model. How do I upgrade my Uconnect? Oh, upgrading the Uconnect is easy. You download the software, you plug in a USB key. This is how you do it. No problem. I did it, except I was already the most up-to-date Uconnect. So I started asking, why can't I get the new Uconnect? And they're giving me all these excuses. And they finally said, well, the hardware is not compatible. Uh, Yes, it is. It's exactly the same processor. It's exactly the same board. It's just a BIOS chip. It's a small BIOS chip. That's the difference. I said, why can't I flash that? 
well, we're not going to do that. What? (laughs) (laughs) So this was their excuse. They, that's how they're going to sell a car. They want you to buy the new car so that you'll get the new feature, even though the new feature can technically work with the other car. So, yeah, yeah the, I, the D, DRM on a seat doesn't surprise me. <laughs> okay. It's stupid, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and that's why you should buy a K part. You should buy the K version exactly. of the Jeep or the exactly. S version of the Jeep. <laughs> then you could have done it. But Adam, I'm, mm-hmm. let's hear some questions. I know people want to ask and hey, stuff. Yeah, this is He's the- not going to talk about next gen. He's not going to talk about Big Navi, okay? Oh, Don't even ask. Damn it, that was Don't the first ask. question. That was uh, yeah. will there be Unless a Sapphire Big Navi coming and out Sapphire this year? Sapphire in a lot of trouble. We have He's to ask him though. We have, we have to ask. Okay. Ed, will there be a Sapphire Big Navi coming this year? Well, like I don't know. Is Big Navi coming this year? <laughs> very good, very good. Is Big Navi even coming? Is there such a thing as Big Navi? No, seriously. Yeah, Our is. next big video card, we're using liquid gold in the heat pipes with Spoilers. fans that are 195 millimeter. Now, this does require a 24-pin power connection oh. and a small <laughs> nuclear reactor you heard to be first. able to power the card. But, man, it will be Awesome. And yes, it will make you a sandwich. There you go. <laughs> Yum. I'm excited now. <laughs> <laughs> Only going to cost you three grand. Promise. <laughs> All right. Now we, we got Big Navi out of the two. way. Yeah, we got Big Navi <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> um, uh, AJD Old Channel Archive uh, asks, uh, uh, what do you think it is that usually sets Sapphire above other models? Is it design or just not uh, cutting as many corners? Well, I think it's a little bit of both of those. I, I also think it's a genuine attitude inside the company to care about what we give to the gamers as a product. Uh, I'm very proud of the fact that with each new generation of card, we have not just reused old design coolers as other companies have done. Um, we have gone back and said, what do we need to change to make this effective? I think that that's very important. Um, we have focused on bringing as much quality as we can at each price point. Uh, black diamond chokes, uh, high-end capacitors, removable fans, these kind of features that actually make the card more reliable and a better gaming experience. And then we've really worked hard on just cooling and quiet operation. I, I mean, that's what makes us stand out. Now, if you want to know some history that makes us stand out, it, here you go, Gordon, some fun, some fun stuff you might recall. Do you know how many firsts Sapphire has in the video card industry? I was amazed when I found this out. We were the first video card to commercially offer HDMI on a graphics card. Hadn't been offered before. We offered it first. We were the first video card to offer uh, vapor chamber cooling. We were the first video card to offer a single cooler with multiple fans. We were the first video card to offer factory overclocking. Now, you think about those features I just mentioned. These are all standard on every company that's out there today, right? Mm -hmm. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So go ahead. (laughs) All right. All right. That's Uh, that's good. That's a good legacy, actually. Uh, Okay. This is kind of a... um... Kind of incendiary one a little bit. Uh, CMC Uh 1984 says, uh, hi, Mr. Chrysler. Uh, How does it make you and Sapphire feel when you consistently make excellent products and AMD consistently messes up the drivers, making them harder to sell? (laughs) I 
wish I could. Hold on. This is as close as I can get to drop the mic. Yeah, that, you get I, Scott I, Lawson I, on the phone here. He'll, I don't he'll... know what to. I don't know how to say that. Um, first, not just specifically about this topic, but about a lot of topics in general like this. You'll see somebody comment about a problem that exists with new technology, and you almost hear the comment. Well, lots of people say. And when I ask them to give me a number for lots of people, most people don't want to comment. Um, I, I find it really interesting that reviewers as a whole, now I'm not trying to diminish this. When you have a problem with your computer, it sucks and it pisses you off. Okay. I know this. I'm a gamer. It sucks. and It pisses me off too. My advantage is I can pick up the phone and call Terry M over to AMT and say, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) (laughs) I've never had to do that, by the way. I love Terry. (laughs) Terry's a great guy. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it it makes you mad. But when I look back at these problems, I don't see many reviewers that ever saw the problem. In fact, many reviewers have commented they never saw this problem. I've, I work on 20 or 30 computers for friends and family and my own systems and everything else, and I've never seen this problem. I think a lot of these problems are boiling down to things outside the drivers. And I think that there is an element to it where the drivers are partially to blame because these are things that haven't ever created problems before. Uh, XMP profiles. AMD's new stuff is really picky about XMP profiles. It it drives you nuts. Um, It's the same thing with M.2 drives, I've noticed, that that some M.2 connections can be pickier than others. You've got the fact that the power supplies can be pickier. In in many cases, you can run a pigtail and you're fine. But in a few cases, you just can't. You've got to run dual cable. Uh, BIOS upgrades, background software. there There is a whole slew of items that created this mess, I believe. And the biggest thing I have found is if you ran a clean, up-to-date system, the mess disappeared. Yep. And so is it frustrating? Absolutely, it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you go into a, a post and you see somebody say, well, it affects just lots of people. Okay, define lots. If, if you're selling... Let's say you're selling 100,000 video cards and 10 people have a problem. I want to help those 10 people, but seriously, you can't say that that's a, that's a massive issue. Um, it, it's, it, it's a difficult position because you want to help everybody. You want to make sure everybody has a great gaming experience. That's my goal is that everybody has a great gaming experience. I help people that don't even buy Sapphire cards. Shh, don't tell my boss. <laughs> I'm personal time. I'm personal time. I, I, I do. I, I help anybody I can. But it, it's that, that question's kind of loaded because I think it points to a mountain that's maybe a foothill. Uh, so I, I, I hope I answered that without making him upset because I understand the anger and the frustration. I really do. Yeah. When you get stuff and it doesn't work, it sucks. Um, just to back <laughs> up some of the points that you said, though, like in journalism, one of the first things, like if I'm editing an article that, say, Gordon filed, if he says many experts say this, I throw that back at him. Like, you got to – you can't just say many, many experts. Many? You got <laughs> to link me. You got to give me, you know, how, why are you saying this? So that's, Gordon, you've that's been doing this true. how long and you're still doing that crap? No, it's just yeah. an example because he's sitting here. <laughs> I did it the other uh, day, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But uh, yeah, I'm one of those reviewers who has never had a problem with the 5700 XT. Uh, that's using it both in my GPU testing system, which is fairly clean because that's the whole point of a GPU testing system. I've also used them a bunch in my personal system because I try to move around to try to get a feel for what actual people go through and i haven't seen any of those issues in like hardware and box was the one who first put the big spotlight on that and they themselves say hey we have like six systems that are running 5700 xts all the time and we're not seeing these so it is very case dependent i just not really adding anything to the conversation just wanted to say what what ed is saying here definitely has roots in reality just i'm backing up what he's saying yeah, and then it's it's classic. If you go into Reddit and you go into any PCOEMs forums, subreddits, you're going to see a lot of people that have problems, and it's amplified because you're only seeing people who have problems. Because people who have problems, they go and look for solutions from those forums. If you don't have a well, problem usually. with your computer, well, usually, but I mean, the vast majority of people who don't have problems, they're not going to go. They go somewhere and post out how happy they are. And that sort of amplifies it. It doesn't mean those people that are in there that are having problems are not having them. They're real. But sometimes you got to realize it's probably a lot smaller than it feels like when you're the, you know, you know, one of 10 people in a forum that are reporting, reporting the same problem. So, and then I think, especially with desktop computers, it's basically a mixed bag of components, questionable power supply, questionable RAM, like you were saying with all these other issues. It's hard to say what exactly is going on with, with the system. Right. You know, so. That being but, said, I think it's cool. AMD has put a lot of work this year into stabilizing all those issues. Since I think like March, they've released two or three massive updates devoted specifically to bug fixing. Uh, and there are a lot of them. If you go through the actual bug notes, the release notes, like a lot of them are like weird edge cases like that. It's like if you're run, running Chrome with a video while also running world of warcraft at this specific resolution then you might get a black screen kind of a deal and that's the kind of thing you just like that's a niche case and they they get to it when they find it (laughs) next (laughs) i can't hear you adam nope whoops i muted myself Hmm. uh very pointy question from jerry watson uh why didn't sapphire make a nitro plus 5600 xt you know, I don't have a direct answer for that. Um, no, I don't have a direct answer for that. I, I can give you a personal thought. The whole purpose behind the Nitro Plus is to offer Blink. It's to offer a slightly higher factory overclock and a number of Bling features because there are people that want that. Some people are fine driving. Okay, use my Jeep Cherokee as an example. Some people are fine driving a Jeep Cherokee. Some people need the, what is it, Grand Cherokee. Some people can drive the Compass. The 5600 XT is that not necessarily budget, but not high-end product. And my gut reaction would be, this is all personal, not official. My gut reaction would be there's really not going to be a high demand market for a blingy budget or, or, or low, low end 1080p look card. Um, the 5500 XT, I'm not sure why we did it. <laughs> maybe that was maybe that was the reasoning. I, I mean, I, I can't give you a direct answer on this. I'm not. I'm not sure. I wasn't in that decision. 
Okay, uh, along the same lines, uh, AMAC308 asks, uh, does Sapphire bin the chips they get from AMD to determine which cooler model it gets put in, uh, Pulse versus Nitro, as an example? Well, yeah, there's there's always a binning process that that's going to take place. And, and when you're determining a vi- video card, the idea behind the binning is this. Um, if you've got, say, target speed A, what percentage of chips can reach target speed A? Well, if 75 to 80% of the chips that you get can reach target speed A, that means that's a good target speed for the mid-range to lower-range version of a chip. But what if you're only getting 20 25%? Well, that's going to go to the higher end. So there's always a binning process that takes place to try to determine what the most effective target speed ranges are versus production quantity. And that's everybody. That's what everybody does. Okay. Uh, Here's a good one from Dennis Siberian. Uh, For a long time, Sapphire brand was strongly associated with budget and utilitarian segment of the market. Why do you think that was the main reason behind that? You know, I'm trying to figure out when that happened. Sapphire has been pretty much considered the premium AMD brand from day one. Um, I, I, Gordon, do you know a time when Sapphire was considered budget? I, you know what? I think the perspective, I think the perspective on that question is it's, it's not that Sapphire, you're right. Cause Sapphire was always the high end version of AMD, but to be frank, AMD, there were, there were periods where, you know, you didn't have a 1080 Ti competitor. There was no 2080 Ti competitor. So when the very best, you know, 580, okay. Yeah, Ch- then Chad you're is saying like, the same, same thing. AMD equaled budget, so Sapphire. Right, and that's why I would think, I don't think necessarily Sapphire, but I do think that, again, people want $1,200 video cards. They want $1,000 video cards. Well, they, they like to believe they want this. We've, we've had this discussion internally. Yes. Um, if I do polls to ask if people would rather buy a Pulse or a Nitro, they're going to overwhelmingly say they want to buy a Nitro, yet the Pulse sells better. And but I guess that's speaking, it's easy yeah. to wish. It's easy to wish. Yeah. I mean, everybody wishes they had it, but it's, it's very, it's a classic halo thing where, you know, you go in to look at the Corvette and you, you drive away in a Chevette, right? So that's, there you go. It's, it's, and it's really true because AMD has done very solid business with mid range, um, you know, budget cards and they have not had a leadership card. And all of us all the time are saying, when you're going to have a 1080 Ti? When you're going to have a 2080 Ti killer, right? Is Big Navi going to really knock off the 20 Ti, right? And that's that's driven by people who are always right. kind of like, nobody wants to see like, ooh, I really want to see Tercel versus Civic. Uh, you know what? Tercels and Civic probably sell about 10x the amount of, of high-end Absolutely. Absolutely. cars. But people don't want to talk about it they because, you know, they people, you know, Tercel. Like I to mean, dream, like to dream that they're going to have the yacht. Yes, yes, instead and of the I, bass boat. So I, I think that's a big part of it. So, for me, just to add some other perspective, uh, I don't post on them super often because I try to mostly lay low. But I'm always watching Reddit forums of all various types. I you poor porn thing. <laughs> I don't mind it. It depends on the ones that I'm on. Uh, but there's a lot of times, like when a new AMD graphics card does come out. Uh, Sapphire doesn't tend to have the Nitro out on day one. They tend to wait a little bit, get it right, 
put it out and you will see lots of people say, I'm going to wait and see what Sapphire offers with the Nitro because I think Sapphire has established itself as a brand that put a lot of thoughtfulness into it and people are willing to wait for it. So I would say in recent generations, at least for the last five or six years, I can't really speak too much before that because I wasn't monitoring the forums as closely. Uh, people associate Sapphire Nitro with, you know, probably one of the best AMD experiences to offer. You know what? I want to go with one other point with that, and it applies to reviewers, video cards, hardware, all of this. Being first isn't as important as being the best. It, it's I, I think we see this a lot in the review industry right now. Everybody wants to be the first to have a review. Um, but some of the best reviewers aren't necessarily the first ones to post. Um, yep. it, it's the same thing with the hardware. Yeah, I know everybody likes us to have a Nitro day one on launch. I am happy that we take our time, and when it comes out, it's an amazing product. And I, I think that's important to be to not just always be first, but to be the best is important. I might sound like I am a show this 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 conversation a couple of times, but that's because personally, like I've tested the last two years have been like a death march of graphics card releases. Like there's been it one a month been. It really and it's just been. like I've tested tons of variants of all kinds of graphics cards and of all the graphics cards I've tested this generation. Like I genuinely personally prefer the Nitro 5700 XT, like every aspect of it. It's virtually flawless. And that's the reason I keep singing its praises because I've tested a lot of cards and that card is great. So I might sound like a shill, but it's because I've tested a bunch of cards and that is a very good graphics card. That's more for the audience, maybe necessarily for you. But uh, I just wanted to say that out loud. All right. Next. Uh, <laughs> I, I got a question that, that can dovetail into Gordon's uh, ATX argument. Uh, is, is there a way to design a powerful graphics card with extensive cooling solution without it causing GPU sag and a necessity for support brackets? Okay. So, GPU sag, by the way, is almost never the GPU. Uh, I Jay's two cents. Sorry, I've got, got to mention another YouTuber there. Um, Jay's, great. Jay's good. Jay's good actually, people. Actually showed that there is a way to fix the sag with a screw at the back behind the motherboard tray. That it's the it it's the looseness of the brackets. It's the way it fits. That's what causes the sag. So even even with smaller cards, the potential for sag exists. the The reason for sag isn't so much how heavy the card is; it's the length, and you're creating that leverage that's causing the sag. That that being said. I, I would like to see smaller form factor cards come along. I'm, I'm a big small form factor enthusiast. I love SFF builds. And I would like to see smaller form factors come along. But, now here comes the but. The market creates certain illusions. There are illusions that a smaller card has to be a cheaper card. And that isn't necessarily true. We're finding this out with really high-quality ITX motherboards. They're actually more expensive because they're more difficult to pr produce. It's the same thing with a smaller video card, to be able to get that really super-efficient cooler. And that's the other side of that. Often, to get that super-efficient cooler, to get that lower power draw, you have to lower clock speeds. Well, the minute – you've got a lot of people that buy video cards based on what it says the clock speed is on the box. And – that's that. These are factors that make it difficult to build the small cards. 
Now, I want to see them done more. I've, I've been one of them within Sapphire leading the charge that we need to do this more often. When we introduced the 280 ITX, which was one of the first ITX cards available for AMD in any lineup, um, that was because I went nuts crazy on emails with our design team, and I got feedback from the guys at LAN OC talking about it when I attended their LAN event. And by the way, that's something I love about our company. We listen when we get feedback. Um, but but it's, it's just really hard to get these cards out there because there are misconceptions. And those misconceptions force pricing in the wrong direction, force performance in the wrong direction. And that ends up meaning that you have to have a bigger cooler. It, it's, it's a catch-22. But I would love to see small form factor cards. I want to see a return of single slot cards. I miss those. We can get the really crazy oh, small. Good Lord. Seriously, I would love, like I have a, uh, I have a really, really tiny case up there. Right there. And if I could somehow slot a single slot card in there. Oh, I don't yes, know if please. anybody can produce a single slot card with the current chips. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they, I'm not sure that they can either. At the very least, they're not. So. <laughs> yeah, nobody yeah. is. So. <laughs> I, that does uh, actually. I, I did want to ask this because I've been pushing this. I've been talking to a lot of vendors because I I think you know the industry needs to move to a re envisioning of ATX. ATX is awesome, but it dates back to the 1990s. The very first case I bought in the yeah. 1990s, I could literally build a computer in using today's parts. It's 2020, folks. And I just feel like there's just so many things that need to be changed in ATX. Um, as a GPU person, and you're a builder, and also SFF guy, what would you change? Definitely for that would affect GPU. And in fact, what would you like to see changed in ATX? Because I, I think we need to get the conversation started. That look, let's. I know case vendors don't like it because it's expensive and power. So all this, these different things, but. Maybe if we could all agree, let's change. But first, Ed, I want to hear from you. What would you change for ATX as far as GPUs go? Would you make a standard for mounting them vertically with the ribbon cables and all that stuff? Or Well, I think you- the, the mounting vertically looks really pretty, but that's about the end of it. Um, unless you've got a case that's properly designed. And, and by the way, case design sucks right now. It's just been atrocious. It's getting better, but it sucked for a long time. You can't get good airflow around most vertically designed GPUs unless you specifically designed a case to do that. Now, if you specifically designed a case to do that, that's great. But I think that should be a feature of the case, not of the motherboard. And if you're going to do this, I'm not a big fan of ribbon cables per se. I like the hardware uh, riser that works to do this. I think it's a more efficient design. So I'm not sure about ribbon cables. I'm not sure that ATX needs to exist anymore. ATX had to exist because you didn't have onboard graphics. You had to use like a Cirrus Logic or a Trident um, video card. So you didn't have onboard graphics. You very seldom had many onboard hard drive controllers, if you had any. You didn't have onboard NICs. You didn't have onboard sound cards. ATXs were essentially developed to allow you all these slots to add the extra features you wanted. Most of that's on board. Okay, so with most of that on board, we can start removing slots 
and you're not going to drastically hurt a car or hurt the motherboard and the functionality of the motherboard. But let's go a step further. Multiple GPU is practically dead. Thank yep. God. <laughs> okay. It, it, it sucked. Aww. Multiple GPU sucked. It, it looked was, cool, though. It, looked, it cool. looked cool as hell, but it was never efficient. And, and so multiple GPU is dead. So now you're beginning to see more and more slots you just don't need. I think ATX, if it were to continue to exist at all, is an industrial board. So, where you, micro, you think micro ATX, but definitely board reduction in size. I, I think we're due board reduction. I think micro ATX is probably the biggest board that most home consumers or gamers would ever need. And, and I will even argue that, that ITX is a better solution. But to make this happen, we're going to have to do some changes in the way the thought process works. Right now at MATX, those boards suck. Okay, I, I have you seen a really good quality MATX board? Because I haven't. No, it's no. the it's the stepchild of, of the form factor. It, it's either it ITX, high-end, high-end ATX, and the junk that we're going to put in your $12 PC is the... Right. Is the, and, and But when you go down to ITX, I think we're still screwed up there. One of the things that ATX has going for it right now, because it has the attention, is variety. So if I want to buy an ATX board that I want to just build for like an APU and I want to surf the internet and read some emails, I can buy a low-cost ATX board that's a little feature poor that solves the problem. If I want to buy one for gaming, I can buy one with great onboard sound, a great NIC. I, I can have a board that's focused. If I want to buy a board for a server farm, I can buy a board with extra connections for, for hard drives and stuff. So you've got a variety of ATX boards, you get down to ITX, you got one. Okay, and I think we can change that. I think we can have an ITX that's designed for APUs. It's got, and, and, and just Intel chips with just their own board uh, IGP. You've got, you've got the, the fact that you've got just, you've got onboard connectors. You don't need to worry about the PCIe slot. Take it off. Take it off yeah, and give them that's... the other function. But, but you see, what I'm saying is specialty boards within the group. So you've got that board for APUs. And then if you want gamers, you've got one with gamer functionality. If you got one that you want to make a NOS with, you can, again, take off certain functions and add others. You've got limited space. So you make use of limited space. I'd like to see that happen in the ITX and MATX community to give users real choices that they can build the system they want to build within those form factors. I think that that would be the more important move. My opinion. Uh, I do want to actually loop in something you said earlier, which was you really did, did not want a motherboard where the M.2s are on back. Whereas it seems I like... I hate M.2s on back. I really for, do. But yeah, rear mounted does... The rear mount does give you... It does use that surface area, which is very it limited. It does. It does. What's, what, why do you both hate the uh, rear mounted M.2s? Uh, you want this first spread or me? No, you go. You're the guest. Um. The thing I hate about it is most cases are not designed without modding to allow easy access to that. If I need to change that drive for any reason, I don't have easy access. The other problem is the airflow on the back of a motherboard is non-existent. There is next to no airflow. I don't care cases. There's just no airflow back there. The top, you've got at least some airflow. Even if you don't have a cooler on it, you've got some air moving across it. 
So those two factors combine to me. It's not that it's, it's not that it doesn't work. And I've got systems with them built on the back. It's just, if I've got my druthers, I want them on top. Yeah. I'm 100% no, the same. For, okay. for me, it's more the cooling than the, the placement. Cause honestly, I don't switch out my SSDs that often, you know, I don't need to actually physically access them. When I do have to do that, yeah, I prefer them in the front. But to me, it's more SSDs can be very temperamental if they get too hot in cases just aren't made with fans in the back like that. So but so that's the thing is they just shoehorn them on the back of the board. Right. There's no standardization. But if we sort of rethought ATX and you say, look, here's here's the keep outs. Here's where your case should have access for storage on boards. So in all these boards, M. rear-mounted M.2s will have this cut out in your case enclosure. I, I don't and, know that an ATX board has a rear mounted M.2. No, they don't. Cause there's so much space, but right. Um, but so my thing though, is when they're on front, which I think is fine. I do prefer that except they put them on front and then they put on the cool, big ass hands, fancy heat spreader. <laughs> it's like 12 inches across. And you're like to get to your M.2 drive, you pull the, all the cards out. Then you got to, pull the, the, heat, the heat spread off and then you can get your M.2. I just, on like review boards, I'm just forget it. I'm leaving that stupid thing off. I, I've pain. got three different boards here that I don't have to do that. I can pull the cooler without pulling the GPU. Oh, okay. It's just a lot of them that I have just don't do that. But if you put it in back, but here's, here's my other ideas. You put it on back. The other thing that I think could really use a change is the standoff. The standoff height in the vast majority of cases is maybe half an inch I've seen some older designs where it's an inch to three quarters of an inch. Look, you'll see if I've got one handy to look at. (laughs) But what if you actually had more standoff? So maybe an inch and a half of standoffs behind that board with beefy enough mounts. So now you can mount more hardware, add more cooling, and also get more cables behind there without having to to smash them You've got the advantage that you'd be able to put more behind. But first, you're going to have to open up access at the rear of the case. Second, you're going to increase the case depth. Yeah. If if you add another inch, you've got to add another inch to case depth pretty much across the board. So when you go to an ATX redesign to this level, which I'm not I'm not sure it's a bad idea that maybe because we're doing a lot of things that need to change. But you're talking about a complete redesign of multiple parts across the board. Yeah. Well, um, like yeah. Asus had their their vision. I think their vision had RAM on the back as well. And then Apple actually did that in the Mac Pro. They actually mounted the, the the dims on the back of the board, which is kind of cool because now you've you know you you have this. If you need to pull RAM, you don't have to. If you have your big giant Noctua, you, you're not going to have issues with getting to the RAM of some. But I just kind of think those kind of ideas could make life easier. You know, they could. But you're back to is can you standardize it? Can yes, you take it across yes. the industry? Because remember, with a lot of this stuff with cases, I'm I'm amazed how much it costs to get a case tooled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And once you change the standard for case tooling, oh dear God, yep. everything's going to go through the roof. You're going to see a drastic price increase. And I think we could make more fun boards. That's why I like that's why I like the idea of of fixing up the MATX and offering variants of the ITX. Because you can do that without having to change anything else. You just change the board. And that's yep. going to give more options. Now as to if one's better than the other to do this? No, I don't believe so. I believe all of these 
should be things that need to be explored. The motherboard industry, it, it, it's stagnant. It, it's that there's these myths. You see people, they'll, they'll grab five different motherboards. Yes, Brad, they'll <laughs> grab five different motherboards and they'll put the same chip in them and they'll benchmark them. Uh, seriously, if there's any difference beyond margin of error, somebody's board sucks. Okay. It, there well, be. Yeah. And then that well, drives the whole, we're going to overclock PCIe or we're going to overclock B clock by, you know, eight, you know, 0.8 megahertz because right, just to try to get know, that little bit of lead because they know if they're on the top of that list, that is meaningless. It's still for the average person who looks at that bar chart, you're on top of that bar chart, you win, even though it's the differences. That, that's why I said, I'd like to see reviewers focus on quality of life and products. Yeah. I, th- I think that's more important for the end consumer. Okay, Adam, fire away. All right, love it. Uh, uh, Torben uh, asked, uh, why do no video card makers uh, produce cards with high-quality coils to eliminate coil wine? First, coil wine isn't that simple. Um, gosh, I'm... <sighs> I'm not even sure how to give a really accurate description of what coil wine is because it's not as simplistic as the coils. Um, gosh, Gordon, I'm almost going to pass this to you because I'm sure you've dug into this. I, you know, I haven't. I just accept <laughs> it. I accept it, and I mean, well, it's it's, a, it's interesting because it's, it's a tolerance issue. Because I, people always talk about coil wine on a certain brand of laptop. There's a classic one. I'm not going to mention, you know, three letters. The laptop that I have that is not made by that company has has a coil wine. My ancient ass 1080 has coil wine. There's every, I hear it all the time, and I've just kind of accepted that that harmonic is there. But some people. I think it's just simply their hearing or just grates on them. So well, I, it's it it's hearing, it's tonal quality. Some people hear different tones worse than others. Um, coil wine is not limited to graphics cards. It can be on motherboards. It can be on power supplies. That's and when it's a lo- bad. A, a lot of times people think it's the, the video card and it's the power supply. Uh, it, it's, it, it's not as simple as saying we're going to eliminate coil wine. I just don't think it's it's possible to completely eliminate coil wine in every product. I think it's almost a, a case to case basis. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, the other problem with that too is, Hey, you know what? We're going to market this or we are designed this part to be, have zero coil wine. Mm-hmm. It costs you $25 more. Uh, give me the one with the coil wine is what everybody will say. It, it, it's <laughs> what you're going to say. Truth, right. That's. And, and when you market a part with zero coil wine, you've got the problem of if coil wine exists, even if it's not in your product, they're going to try to warranty the product. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, you're right. It's everything. Power supply, graphics card, motherboard. There, there are just too many factors involved in what determines the level of coil wine and the severity of the coil wine to be able to accurately remove it from the loop. Okay. Uh, I got an interesting one uh, from Janik, and I'm, I'm going to expand on this. Uh, what about giving a USB with the drivers inside the package instead of a CD, or, or would that be too expensive? We, for me, we stop. I will, I'll, I'll add to this. For me, 
I don't even use it. Even if you put a USB in there, I wouldn't even use it. I always just go straight to the website, get the latest one. Don't even worry about that stuff. Wouldn't that help get rid I, of? I don't think I've seen a driver CD in the last, and, and Brad, correct me if I'm wrong, the last three or four cards that we've released, I don't think we've put a driver CD in them. Uh, no, you guys, you guys don't. A lot of a lot of companies don't. A handful of them do. Okay. There's a, there's no point. Yeah. High speed high speed internet. This isn't like the days of modems when we had 300 baud and long distance phone calls. Everybody, okay, not everybody, but the majority of tech enthusiasts and gamers have some level of internet access. Especially buying a graphics card. I mean, you need yeah, to if, get Steam. If <laughs> yeah, if you're buying a graphics card, you've probably got some decent internet access, and you're going to go download the latest driver. So putting the putting that stuff in is just extra packaging that gets in the way. I, I still feel like I, I see a lot of motherboards that have CDs. Motherboards do. Motherboards, motherboards do. do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think people, you have to realize when they package something for sale, it's often for um, international sale, and some people just... They still have optical drives, and they if they didn't have, and especially on a motherboard, there are a crap load of drivers to install on a motherboard these days, and I think having that disc is something if they don't do, then people would complain. So, And, you know, the cost of a CD is is, is probably way less than the cost like of a, a USB Like drive. a penny. <laughs> yeah, probably a penny these days still. So I have a question, though, uh, uh, Ed. I had to I remember my name. <laughs> Too many of the beards are confusing him. No, because I just realized, because talking about this, is like DVI. This is what bugs me, because I still got monitors in our household that are still on DVI. Everybody's okay. gone to HDMI and DisplayPort. And I also, I, for me, I'm cursed because we run dual-link DVI. So we can't oh. buy the $12 single-link oh. connectors on Amazon. It doesn't work. And I'm like, well, I don't even, I've never seen a dual-link DVI adapter that goes to 1600p they're all like they top out at like 40. i don't think i don't think there is one yeah that i'm not paying um, 50 dollars for right it, it's, just it's it, it's a catch-22 because to add the dvi is to remove potentially another port uh the majority of modern gamers which is the majority of our audience are going to be on display port or hdmi uh, DVI represents a ridiculously small fraction. And believe it or not, I still get people who complain that they can't get um, VGA. Uh, what, what, Again, I, what's the opposite the, of those bleeding three edge? people, by the way, those three <laughs> people. Uh, Gordon is, is simultaneously of, the bleeding edge and the opposite of bleeding edge. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you're back to the, the cost effectiveness of doing stuff. And DVI as a standard has really been pretty much dead for about what five years yeah it's about right yeah. I, I think about five years ago dvi pretty much started gasping like a sucking chest wound yeah and and now it's it it's just not there if you go to buy a monitor right now buying a monitor that doesn't have display port or hdmi you have to work hard at you have to try right to find a monitor that doesn't have one of those two well so the- it yeah, it, it sucks. I know. It's just a bummer thing about monitors. It's one of those things you're never going to want to give up your HX case. You never want to give up your monitor. Monitors, well, 15 years people run. Well, there well, are it, some brands that will spend the extra money to put them only on cheaper ones. So if you can give up your thirst for the bleeding edge, Gordon, you can go and get yourself a nice affordable one that might have well, a it'll DVI have connection on it. Yeah, if I, yeah. 
you know if what? I go I'd for like, a very low end card. I I want to find a fourteen forty p CRT. Yes, because the image quality, the the lack of issues with refresh rates, the just awesome. A good yeah. flat screen CRT. Oh my god! Digital Foundry did a good video playing Control on a CRT. Oh, that was. That looked amazing. No, of course, <laughs> of course, you'd need a desk that could support a half ton <laughs> that, that sit six feet from the wall. But with, with the explosion of retro gaming, I'm surprised nobody's tried it yet. But it's probably very cost prohibitive with all yeah, that extra glass. I'd be curious. I'd be curious if they couldn't make a smaller CRT hmm? with the technology that's available now. I I don't. I'm just thinking you can't because yeah. I mean the. It's so cost prohibitive because all the factories, because nobody right. wanted nobody anymore, makes it. So. Nobody makes it. It's like Polaroid, or you know, as Adam but knows, wouldn't nobody that be wanted. fun to be able to get that kind of image quality again? I still have a CRT, a 17-inch Mitsubishi downstairs that's been in my basement for 20 years. Dang! So and I, I regret I giving up my Trinitron back in the day. <laughs> I, I will say I have a friend who worked at a very large um, uh, 3D rendering house and. When the switch was happening to, you know, flat panels, they would go through when they were in the company, they were taking all of the CRTs and they were putting them in a warehouse because he says for color critical work that just they needed the, the CRTs. And yeah, they were, they were just they, were so they, they would go through accounting, take their CRT, put it in a warehouse, give them a flat panel. Accounting was happy, but they knew they wanted to have that CRT one day to get to. So nice. Uh, Ed, we we have a, a little bit of an angry one from uh, Peter Jansen. Um, why does it always take at least six months before there is a decent supply of the nitro in the smaller countries like Netherlands? Well, first, we have the problem that we sell out nitros almost as fast as we can make them in the bigger markets. Um that that is just a fact. We we sell nitro cards really fast, especially on initial releases. So I think a lot of what you're probably seeing is just the fact that the big markets are moving them so fast that the smaller markets are forced to wait because the bigger markets are steady, constantly for sure cash. Um, the other is just welcome to the joys of international sales. I, I get people from Australia. They'll send me angry notes. Of, Why do I have to pay so? I can't do an Australian accent. Why do I have to pay so much for this card? And dude, talk to your government. Okay, leave me alone. <laughs> okay, that's the other thing. We'll get discussions. People ask us about the pricing. Why the? Why is the price gone up? Why? Is, blah blah blah. We actually have very little control over pricing to the consumer. We don't sell directly to consumers. We sell to retail outlets. We sell to distributors. And then they create the pricing. If you think the pricing is too high for your card on Newegg or Amazon, the people to complain to are Newegg and Amazon. Newegg is notorious for that, too. Especially if they know well, it's going to be a hot product, they'll work in some extra margin. Look what happened during the Bitcoin mess. We didn't raise the prices like that. That was all retailer. Yep. Yep. So I, I, I'm sorry we're not getting you cards quicker. I wish we could. Um I'll talk to some people in supply, um, have him send you a note of a couple of specific regions, and I'll, I'll see what we can do. Is I, it, no Ed, promises. Is it sometimes the issue, too, is, you know, Nitro is your premium brand. It goes to markets that, 
that buy them immediately, you, you sell them. And some of the smaller markets, just like, you know what? It may also say something about these smaller markets is like the vast majority of people are not buying high-end, higher-end well, SKUs or buying lower That's end. That's something that, that's always got to be considered. There are certain markets, for example, where the 5,700 period doesn't sell well. It's not that it's not a good shit, but 5,500 is selling amazing because it's about the it's about the average gross income of the people involved. Right. So there's a lot of factors that go into what cards go to what markets. It, it's not just as simple as we don't like that market, so we're not going to send you a card. It doesn't work that way. It, it's it's a matter of where can we sell them, where can we get the value out of them, and will they sell in the marketplace? There's a lot of factors involved. And just because one person is like, oh, my God, I want to buy this card now. Why isn't it here? I, I, I'm sorry, but you're one person. Yeah. It, it's, it, yeah. it, 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 we just don't know that. It, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's tough. It's uh, people the and it always shocks me because we're so exposed to local pricing in the U.S. But I was, oh yeah, I was trying to help somebody on Twitter with an issue with an M.2 drive and USB C, and best I could determine is that he needed to buy a new pigtail USB C to USB C cable. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, you know, Amazon twelve bucks. He goes, yeah, in Brazil that twelve dollar cable. It's oh like Lord, forty dollars. Oh, I was like, oh what? god, yeah, it. Yeah. No, that's, that's there's terrible. there's tariffs, there's shipping, there's you, you start adding all this stuff up and it just gets crazy. I was thinking, well, maybe I should put this cable in an envelope and ship it to you, but they'd probably <laughs> you, arrest me or something. I'd like put a warrant. No, down no you'll be surprised how much it costs to do that because you've got to pay a duty or they do. Um, so you pay for the shipping, but then when you get to the border, you've got to pay an additional duty based on local taxation. Even shipping just to Canada or back, there's taxation every time it crosses the border. Yeah. And so there's there's a lot of factors here, a lot of factors that we, we, we may be a more connected world, but we're also more separated in some ways, especially economically. Mm-hmm. Economically, the separations can be huge because mm-hmm. of taxes and tariffs. You know, what's interesting, too, is they, you can't do this with PC hardware, but like the regionalization on DVDs, that really helped drive down DVD costs because it was region locked. Right. You knew you could sell it for nothing, but you can't do that with the CPU or GPU be, unless you want to region lock them. And We're going to region lock your GPU. <laughs> You're not using it in Illinois. It ain't going to work. Okay. No, no that ain't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> That ain't gonna work. It's like your BMW seat, only with this model, yeah. and, and only if it's driving place. on a California highway. <laughs> oh, oh god! Uh, so earlier, Johnny Top Gun gave us two dollars and two cents. Thank you very much, and said uh, had a question that a lot of people have been asking this whole time: uh, Will we see uh, any atomic or toxic uh, cards return? I can tell you, we are always looking at atomic and toxic. One of the one of the biggest hurdles for atomic and toxic is to bring something worthy of the name. Um, those brands are about just ridiculousness when you come to a graphics card. And this goes back kind of to something I said earlier about the way you design a video card around price to features. You can build an amazing graphics card. Okay. Let's, let's say a 5,700 XT. I can, I can build you a 5,700 XT 
that runs at under 30 decibels under full load, never gets above 50 C on the edge temp that that just I can give you all these amazing features, RGB and everything else. Are you willing to pay five to six hundred dollars or more for that card when you can buy a regular one for four hundred? And the answer 99.9% of the time is no. So when you get to Atomic and, and when you get to Toxic, you're talking about cards that have by tradition, by their branding, are over the top. These are cards that are just the edge of the edge of the edge of the edge of the edge, sir, kind of to paraphrase, been in black. It, it's, it's hard to bring a card to that level. It, it's hard. It's hard to bring it where you can keep the price within a reasonable price point, where you can get enough performance boost to justify the name, where you can get enough feature set to justify the name, all within the price point that you try to target. It's hard to do. We look at every chip. We've looked at this. Every chip. And we will continue to look at this with every chip. So never doubt that one might appear, but I, I can't tell you one will appear. You ju- we just don't know. That's very insightful, but what I heard was Big Navi Toxic confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never said that. <laughs> no. I told you earlier what's happening with Big Navi yeah. with the liquid gold cooling. Come on. <laughs> Keep up. Uh, yeah, Keep that's up, the toxic Brett. feature. <laughs> well, and people I'm going to take chatter- a quick potty break. I'm going to be right back. Big quick potty break. Okay, well, coffee. <laughs> I guess I'm going to wait for this one for when he gets back. Let's put a pause on that one uh here's a here's one from um shane that I, i'm actually curious in because i've not been around pc gaming as long as everybody else here uh why doesn't sapphire make nitro or uh, nvidia cards why, why don't they make nvidia yeah okay next <laughs> <laughs> okay that, that's a question we get a lot Um, Sapphire was created specifically to be an ATI partner. And that's always been the focus. And and to be honest with you, I'm kind of glad we keep the focus. Hmm. And and the reason I say that is this. I'm not saying NVIDIA makes a bad product because they don't. I like the fact that we do one thing really well. Because there are a lot of companies out there that make for multiple brands and multiple components. and, And I think when you lose your focus, sometimes when you stop being specialized, you you go from excellent to good to mediocre. And I I, I like the fact we're excellent still. Okay. You see that not just with you guys. Uh, I think there's a lot. Gordon, to be they offered. Hold on, I was waiting for him to get back on. Gordon, they offered my me to take your job. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Like well, it's the same on the other side of the coin too. There are some NVIDIA specific, you know, graphics card makers. There are some AMD specific graphics card makers. And I think across the board, typically those makers tend to put more attention into custom designs for each generation versus the big guys. You'll see sometimes with the bigger guys who make a bunch of stuff, like they'll reuse coolers and stuff like that. And sometimes that works. Sometimes that doesn't, but with, a company like Sapphire or EVGA on the other side, let's say. I mean, they're always putting their full attention on these chips at hand. So I like it. Nice. Okay. You too. Good to know. Um, so uh, back to the, the toxic uh, uh, talk that did bring up some uh, some ideas of, 
or some uh, people remembering uh, awesome box art from back in the day. Uh oh, here we go, old, box uh, arts here. Yeah, so Gordon, uh, you, you got some Gordon either to show. made up the question for you or somebody I, read your mind. <laughs> yeah, no, that is actually what we want to talk about because I actually dug up some uh, box art. There was a fantastic piece of gamer story about this uh, maybe a month ago. And it really, looking through that story, really made me like, wow, you know, uh, GPU box art is is like is like LPs. Like used to just like it used to be actual art. You know, now it, it isn't so much. But can we run through some of these, Adam? I don't know what order you want to go through, but uh, you know, I I, I just kind of named like just tell me what's on the okay. box, and that, that's how I named them. Oh, I got to find it then. Oh, I'm, uh, or, or, I, I mean, was... I can just show some generic stuff. But I, I thought you wanted to talk about specific stuff. Well, I do. Unfortunately, I am not prepared because what did I do with that? Oh, it's probably on my laptop, which is using to stream right now. Where hey, the Nitro 380X. I have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I see got I one, too, somewhere here. An old one. <laughs> I've see. actually got a prototype sitting here of the 380, the Dual X. Oh, that's got to be cool. That's the part I'm no, jealous about for you, John. See another cool, not, weird stuff like okay. that. Okay, I, I actually have it sitting right here. Nope, that's not it. Hold on. <laughs> that's not it. Where's it at? I got so much junk laying around my desks. I get these kick out of these people to show you their workstations, and they're so clean and pristine. Dude, I got Coke Zero cans lined up and bags of chips. Okay, so this is a Dual X 380. Uh, and this was one of the prototype cards where we were, and this ended up being the design, but this was one of the early cards where we were testing different BIOS features and stuff. It's very cool. It still functions. Interesting. It gets used occasionally when I need a backup. Well, well, I'm going I'm to flash this uh, 380X uh, since we're talking about this. This is uh, what, what Gordon had sent over, the uh, Sapphire Nitro 380X with a... Uh, a, a big old robot on it. It looks like a, that's the a robot statue I was talking about earlier. Yeah, that was the, oh, is that the, three, the one? The three hundred series was the first robot. Oh, that's awesome! Huh. I miss old box art. I love it. Oh, Even so this, that, was... that harkens to it. You know, giant robots and stuff like that. You know what's a shame is box art doesn't have the same value it used to have. So yeah, yeah it's so online, know, right? Yeah. There's another one too. There was that. Um... That uh, R7250 with another robot. Oh, actually, maybe it's the same robot. No, it's slightly different. So you guys definitely have a robot phase. Well, so we did. you want to do that uh, sapphire.png file? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Showing that one. The R7250. So, yeah, it's an R7250. looks like from the Asian market. And it had <laughs> the head of a robot. Not quite the same. Not we quite did, the same uh, robot. We did three different robots um, based on different performance levels of the carts. Oh, so the, the the robot upgraded. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Well, it was it, it, it to me. It didn't look like an upgrade. I actually thought the stuff for the uh, lower end cars was cooler. It was a little skinnier. It didn't have the muscle to it that the higher end stuff had. It's uh, but I thought it was cool. It's like the T one thousand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's this other one though. This it and then there's it's uh, it says it's for the Radeon HD fifty eight fifty Adam. Like this looks like it's from the movie. It's. It looks like Prometheus. I, I got to pull this up because I'm not seeing these guys. Shame on you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Let me go to Facebook. Yeah, it's, uh, it's on the YouTube stream and the, the live stream, but it looks like it's from Prometheus, the guy with the hood. Silver. Oh, the hood guy. Yeah, okay. There we go. Got it. What was yeah, that the... one I really like the art of. 
What was the, what was that? I mean, I, I have no idea. That was pre me. <laughs> that was pre me guys. Did, oh, okay. Did, did you have a whole like graphics department, uh, you know, just churning out these, these, uh, these characters? Uh, we used to, we, um, we had a couple of guys that was churning out the stuff like this. Okay. So yeah, doesn't that, that look that like Prometheus? Was, it kind of does. That was really yeah. cool. I like that one. That was really cool. I also like that, uh, that alien, the, uh, the 98. He was cute. XT. He was cute. I wish they would have kept him. <laughs> he, he just he has his he has his hands up. He's like he's like, what's going on? Don't you want to buy me? <laughs> <laughs> you want to show never, that? Can you show I never that? thought about that it. though. That uh, the move no, to online would the, make box um, art. The other one with the little um oh, with this one that's like guy. okay, an alien. So Sapphire went through an alien phase. You did Evidently. robots, you did aliens. I guess this is Atlantis. Like oh yeah, but he I, has. Got this Atlantis. But then you one. have the other guy for the, the ninety six hundred Pro. But there's the <laughs> X five fifty. Can you show the X five fifty? He's got the same why you know look. But <laughs> X, the Radeon. Oh, oh no, see, man, that's, that's Prometheus. Pro. See, that's that's a Prometheus. Yeah, one. that see, that's 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 not the guy I'm thinking of. <laughs> no, sh- uh, do the Radeon X five fifty. X five fifty. Oh, uh, got it. it. Looks oh, like, this alien. He's like dancing. He's like. Yeah. Before the backpack kid, you know, did the flossing. This is <laughs> nice. Can you show that? Yeah, he's and he's got See, like. I love that guy. I think that was just so cool. What was the what was the the dancing thing? Like, hey, I'm playing games. <laughs> We're cool, exactly. <laughs> also, the, there's and like he, a, he's a, on a, a couple boxes. Yeah, there's is like it a weird an alien though, or or more of an I don't. Oh, that's an alien. It's Zot. It's a Zot. I would imagine. I don't think that's on Earth. (laughs) All I know is, like, it must be really tough to talk to that person. Hey, well, you know, because he he can only hear in, like, a very focused area. It's like like Shrek. Shrek had those kind of (laughs) ears. And then that same alien is doing the, huh? Doing the Uh same look. There's that Radio X550. Oh, yes, yes, this box one. Art. Okay, yeah, the blue one. Graphics yeah. card box art like, is up? wonderful history, I think. It is. It's cool. <laughs> I Yeah, I just, I would love to see like a high quality coffee table book. There it is. Where it just has nothing but classic art, like from hard <laughs> PC hardware. Like, yeah, Mila, huh? Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I need to ask and see if we've got all this art. Oh, that would be just awesome. That would be right? cool oh, to be get awesome. and be, make it available as wallpapers for people. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. would be cool. That uh, would be. Also, you know what? I think we should just go back to, to you know, stock art of uh, of kids screaming, like the, the GeForce 256. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the kid's just like, ah. He's so excited to get this, this uh, Asus card. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. This is like, what? <laughs> I don't, it's the kid... With this, his hair kind of like blown away by, yeah, is that dad, like 3D I wore, visualization around him? What I, what I think is like, Dad, I wore this bow tie for a month. Am I getting a video card for the computer now? I, I just mean, noticed he's wearing a bow tie. That's yeah, hilarious. the bow tie. Like, yeah, I don't it's, know what's okay. now. Okay. The, the fun one though is you've got the sapphire with the female on it. Yeah, yeah, uh, the, okay. the nine uh, seventy nine fifty Vapor X. Yeah, yep, yep. Here we go. So, little backstory for you guys to have some fun. By the way, her name is Sapphire. This was the counterpart to Ruby. 
this was this, uh, okay. this was supposed to be her position as the counterpart to Ruby. So when I first met uh, Adrian and Philip and Ben Ben or Bill Donnelly with a with Sapphire, uh, I was at CES back when I was doing my radio show, and we had sit down with them. It was a, it was a really fun meeting because it was kind of like this. We were supposed to do a five minute meet and greet, and we were there for two and a half hours, and they made us leave because they wanted to go get dinner. <laughs> so. Anyway, though, we got to talking to them about this, and they love the radio angle because, again, this is these are these are guys from Great Britain and 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 Europe, and radio was still really big. And they said, "Would you guys be interested in doing a radio story about Sapphire? Think, um, think Green Hornet." and the shadow (laughs) and creating a marketing campaign around these little one minute snippets of radio around Sapphire. And my co-host and I were so excited. (laughs) This was going to be this amazing idea. (laughs) And we had just got started in it and they decided, eh, you know what? We don't think we'd get enough, enough people interested. Eh, we're going to try something else. No, but it, it, I, I love the idea of taking this and taking Ruby and making adventures and missions that they would do together. I think that would have just been so fun for a marketing campaign. So is, is Ruby yeah. the one in the, the, the uh, 6990? Ruby is the A and B character, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's got the... dreadlocks? No. no. Oh, no. Okay. I'm, I'm showing they one actually... with, with dreadlocks and like all, all black leather. You know, one of those might have been the early Ruby, but Ruby had red hair. Yeah, uh, she did. Okay. Yeah. At least in everything 69, I saw. But so the Radeon uh, HD sixty nine ninety was a dual. Was that a? Was that like a Fury Max? Was that like two? Yeah, that was a dual GPU card. Okay. Wow, I just don't remember that one. Yeah, Ruby. Um, for people who don't know, was the AMD character for Radeon. Oh, I have a okay. little doll, the little action figure. As they, as they I've call. always wanted one of those, and I can't find one. Oh. oh really? Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, AMD had sent those out as tchotchkes, and I think the thing is, I don't know who came first because Nvidia had Dawn, which was the Pixie, and then you know, no, Nvidia. Dawn came after Ruby. Oh, is it? Okay, and Dawn after Sapphire. After. Oh, okay. Good. Well, look, uh, this is back six thousand series, and we were already doing females. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There was definitely, but I just love this this box art because it's just like. It's it's just so classic, you know, and the way video cards used to be marketed because it's very sophisticated. If you want to show like a Sapphire Pulse, Adam, there's a 550, I think. Uh, what does it have on it? Uh, it what, has what, what, a pulse. Uh, it says Sapphire Radeon Pulse RX 550. Yeah, the box art's very plain. Yeah, oh, and that's got it with like of, the yeah with the the pulse. Yes, okay. Got it. EKG, ECG, kind of a yeah. <laughs> that's well, just kind of the way. To- yeah, you're you're back to where do you want to put your money? Yeah. Do you want to put it in the development of the card, or do you want to put it in the marketing? The box art's money. You have to spend money to create the box art, and then you've got to get it trademarked, and you've got to get everything else done to it, and that's just really complicated. You create a generic imagery like Pulse and like Nitro has, that's easy to take care of. It, it's low cost. Or for every single graphics card you release, it could have a frog in a robot suit, like the 9600 <laughs> GT. Just do that. Just do it over. That's, 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 that's the frog guy popping out of the top. Yeah. 
once it's what done, you don't have to, to, to make any more. You're done. Pinnacle. I, I know there was a demo, I think, with the frog, but I, this is a palette card, but it was just like, what? I, I don't... Oh, there's been some weird demos over the years. <laughs> there's definitely... It just, yeah, it just... Maybe it points to the less sophistication of sort of I, I, the crowd was back then, but... And I guess you could argue that just like LPs, that, that album art, if you had the Led Zeppelin, all this, the Beatles, you had the classic album art, that got people who were shopping and looking through they bought it because, oh, look at this awesome album. I want exactly. to put it on my wall. There's nobody flipping through video cards retail as much as it was 20 that's years actually, ago. Right? That's so. actually why I bought the first uh, copy of Hawkwind. Did you ever um, listen to Hawkwind's music? Um, they did a, a concert called the Chronicles of the Black Blade. And what most people didn't know was the bass player for Hawkwind was Michael Moorcock who was the Ooh. guy that wrote the Elric sagas. Yeah. And the entire chronicles, the entire chronicles of the black blade was a concert with almost like a ballet or a dance segment added to it. Telling the Elric saga. Wow. It's I hard to find out. It's out. really hard to find great music. Just amazing music. Hawkwind. All right. I'm looking at the, I'm going to try to find that as soon as this is done. That is very interesting to me. <laughs> nice. I'm all uh, full of all sorts of useless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another question from uh, Johnny Top Gun gave us five dollars again. Uh, thank you, Johnny. I appreciate it. Said uh, reference uh, RX um, RTX uh, 2000 series was a big improvement on the blower format with possible high-end AMD fan design. Does this put pressure on Sapphire to do a high-end product? <sighs> I guess he's meaning to do a high-end blower. Yes. I think he means, uh, like, with the RTX series, they start putting the dual axial fans on there, and AMD said they're going to start to do the same. Well, the dual axial fans, that's standard design for most, pretty much everything Sapphire makes. That doesn't put any Mm -hmm. pressure on Sapphire at all. Uh, I do think it puts a little pressure on AMD for reference designs. Mm -hmm. that They need to step up their reference cooler game or... I'll give you an or they could give the um, the partners more lead time to bring up their custom designs. That's the two options they're going to face. It'll be interesting to see which option they decide on. Yeah, that's tough, we right? lost Adam. Adam <laughs> disappeared. That's tough, though, Ed, because, I mean, boy, you know, there's just never enough time, right? There's just never enough time. There's not. There's never enough time. A product comes to market, and you've got to get it into market fast. Because, again, this is back to first, not best. Yeah. Everybody yeah. rushes out. They want to buy immediately. No, don't buy immediately. Look, look, I'm going to give you advice my bosses are going to hate. Here we go. <laughs> don't buy immediately. Don't buy when any product first launches. Give it time. Let the reviewers look at it. Let, let people look at it and run it through its paces. Then buy because you'll have real information to make a intelligent choice. And True. thanks for the advice. I'm buying it ahead of time. I just, I just, as one of those people, like, <laughs> like I just pre order. You pre order uh, games, don't you? No, I, I don't pre order games, but I just like, I buy stuff and like, man, that was really, and especially on eBay. I'm just stupid because this is a really good deal. This is a great deal because look how much, you know, this cost. I'm buying it. Oh, you know, then you like, it's just, it's just, you know, but you well, just we're can't. not all rich like you, Gordon. No, I, yeah, that's why I drive that old Honda. But you just kind of like you get. I mean, there, there's a real, there's a lot of people that just 
they can't. They just got up. You know what? I'm so just going to go you, for it. You, I don't want to wait. You heard it here first. If you want to have better video equipment, according to Gordon, you live in a shanty and you buy an old Honda. <laughs> there you go. That works. That works. <laughs> and eat ramen noodles every night. Yeah. Uh, I also have a Honda. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> Next. Uh, we, we have a, a, a beard question. For the, for oh, the beard well, here we go. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Siberian says, um, since the theme of the show is beards, uh, <laughs> when you go to sleep uh, at night on a cold night, uh, do you tuck your beard under the blanket or over the blanket? Assuming that you're lay- laying a back sleeper. Oh, I, I never bring covers up above my armpits. I, I like to have a little exposure for cool air. Okay. I'm actually 100% the same. Apparently, me and Ed are clones. I'm usually about right there. We're, so we're, brother, we're brothers, brother, brother. That's okay. It's all good. Nice. Love it. Uh, the tricky part is getting a mask to fit right. I have to kind of oh, get dude. larger masks and kind of tuck them up in and figure out a way to make it snug. While well, it's, uh, there's, a there's a way to get around that for the COVID stuff, and that's to get something called a neck gaiter. Hmm. Which I know what is, that is. I haven't tried it. It's a, basically it's a tube of cloth mm-hmm. that comes up and you can get your beard in it. Uh, for me, the big problem is technically they want me to wear a BiPAP at night when I sleep. Mm-hmm. And they told me, they said, you need to shave your beard, and your mustache so we can put you in a BiPAP. And I said, I'd rather die. Yeah. <laughs> so People, like my family has asked me, are you going to shave your stuff for, you know, to fit the mask? I'm like, no, I'll figure out something around that. <laughs> Hashtag right before shave. That's, that's, that's it. Um, oh, I, I'm switching over to some on uh, Discord. Um, uh, how does Sapphire go about trying to innovate on GPU coolers? This is from Bain, uh, Bainto, Benito. Uh, or has GPU cooling gotten to the if it ain't broke, don't fix it state of development? You know what? It's getting really close to the if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, we get a lot of questions about why we're not bringing back VaporX. And the reason why is the current heat pipe solutions are so ridiculously efficient that vapor chamber doesn't bring anything really to the equation. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I can knock a degree centigrade off in worst case scenarios, but I have to increase the cost by like 3 to $5 a card. And for degree centigrade, nobody's going to pay that. There, there's no point. So the technology has become really, really good. Now, we are always looking at options. We did um, pass-through motherboard design. After the, after the uh, Tri-X Fury was so amazing with its cooling, because that third fan, there was nothing behind it. It was just perfect airflow. We actually started experimenting with our motherboards have cutouts at the top to allow the airflow from the top of the fan through the fins to directly exit. So we've done that. We also have been working a lot with smaller PCBs and the fans overextending, kind of like we did with the Tri-X Fury to get that airflow behind it. We're always looking at ways to make this better. But with the current technology, there's only so far you can go. And we're beginning to pop out. Now the, now the thing to bring is more efficient power delivery. Um, more efficient layout in how the cooler attaches to the PCB and to the other components besides the the uh, actual GPU, um, more efficient fan design. And these are things we're always looking at. Okay. Uh, uh, speaking... speaking of that, can I take a 30-second bio break? <laughs> 
Oh yeah, please, <laughs> please. I'll be right back, guys. <laughs> no, uh, we we actually did have somebody in the chat say this is uh, oh, it was Shane said uh, I think this is one of the best guest shows we've ever done. We're we're taking awesome. a we're taking a quick intermission. Ed will be back. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a question, though. I want to ask about liquid cooling. And um... uh, also, somebody said now that our uh, our our uh, Disney and McDonald's sponsorships out the window, maybe we just get a Sapphire sponsorship. Ha! Jokes on you. I got a McDonald's sponsorship this week because I uh, dropped a two hundred pound barbell on my head, and then had to spend three hours fixing a wonky computer for work. And I tweeted. Uh, that day I just was going to have a McFlurry for dinner because screw this, this day sucks. I'm an adult. I'm having a McFlurry for dinner to fix all this. <laughs> and McDonald's, I just got it today. Sent me a note and some gift cards. No way. Oh. <laughs> wow. You know, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not chilling. <laughs> I'm not chilling, but you know what really starts a, a good breakfast for me mm. is when I have a sausage McMuffin with egg. Not that, you know. <laughs> Well, the no, sauces first, McMuffin you have to hurt yourself working out from McDonald's. Not even working out, but you get that with low cost coffee, sausage mm-hmm. McMuffin with egg. <laughs> He's trying really so hard. Good. I actually, uh, I just started. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to lose. I, they found me. I didn't tweet at them. Uh, I'm gonna try to lose some weight for a bit. Uh, Sunday was my last day of like pigging out and stuff. I woke up. I'm like, honey, we're gonna go get some McGriddles and some hash browns. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And then I ate honey up. smacks for dinner. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's better. Yeah. You didn't miss anything. We we were trying to uh we were trying to show for McDonald's while you were gone. So <laughs> just a joke. Do what? Show for McDonald's. <laughs> we were we're yeah, it's a it's a bit of a joke. Yeah, bread's in the uh, pocket sorry. of Big McDonald's. Big McDonald's. I, I got a, a question though, as far as cooling, since we're talking about GPU cooling. Uh-huh. Is liquid cooling uh a thing again, or do you think it's because we've seen? I think there was a an interesting Alienware had an Asetek. They had the cooler mounted next to the GPU in, in taking one of the the slots. Does it does it make sense for liquid, or just never too many complications? Well, liquid just introduces too many points of failure, in my opinion. That's that's why I don't run liquid cooling. It's not that I think it's bad. It's overly complicated and two additional additional potential failure uh i i tend to run really simplistic builds uh even my demo rigs i only get fancy by adding rgb because it's a demo rig most of my rigs are really simple really clean meant to be cool and quiet and very efficient and very durable Uh, it's hard to do that with a liquid rig it's really hard to do that really efficiently Uh, as far as video cards are concerned well you just up the price of your card again Remember, you had to build a special cold plate. Uh, And that cold plate is only going to work on one particular model of card, unless you make all the models standardized, which kind of defeats the purpose. So you've got that. You've got the fact that if you're doing an AIO, will it fit in the case that they use? Um, The AIO actually increases the power draw because you're going to have more power because you kind of power the pump and everything else. So there's a there's a lot of factors in that. I I've always thought it was funny. I'll, I'll people will buy Nitro Plus and then they'll be like, "How do I put a liquid cooler on this? Why the hell did you buy Nitro Plus? You yeah, buy, buy a reference Nitro card. Plus. You you buy Nitro Plus because you want this amazing air cooler. Mm-hmm. And to rip off that air cooler and put on a a liquid cooler doesn't make sense to me. But okay, 
I, I'm just not a fan of liquid cooling. Then again, like I said, I'm also a small form factor build fan. Yeah, like it was like uh, even no like uh, when Vega 64 came out, they had the version that was liquid cooled. Yes. And I liked the design of it a whole lot, but I found the tubes that they used in there. While we're, they were a nice material, they're way too long. And even in full-size tower cases... Like, I just had trouble squeezing them in, making them look good. So there's, like, all kinds of considerations to go into it. You know what I'd have liked to have seen is if they'd have taken the Nano and beefed it up, gave it yeah. a better cooler. I love the Nano. Nano is awesome. sitting on my shelf right there. It's one of my favorites. It, it's still a great 1080p card. Mm-hmm. It's a beast. And it can actually game at 1440. Wow. So... Yeah, that four gig. Um, unless you're, unless you're running a game that's got a large frame buffer, mm-hmm. the four gig really doesn't create that much of a problem. And the the data bandwidth of that four gig is so huge that HBM. if you're doing small transfers, you can't notice them. It's just like instantaneous. Um, it, it surprised me how well it could do at four at fourteen forty. But yeah, you're right. That's even small cards is. No one buys those unless it's purpose-built for Mini-ITX, small form factor. Yeah, and it, so it's it's a rough market, but it's a market that's growing. I, I mean, look at, you've got, Lee and Lee introduced the TU-150, which, by the way, I built in, used, amazing case. If you're going to travel with a case, this case is near perfect. Really well-designed handle, really well-made, 100 bucks, good price point. Excuse me, and better airflow than you could possibly imagine it has. <laughs> then you've got Cooler Master, who just introduced the NR200, which is basically it's a uh, in case. It's a bigger in case, but again, good airflow, simple design, seventeen liters, so it makes the small form factor community happy. And again, hundred dollar price point. So you're getting these cases that they're still bigger than the boutique cases, but they're getting down to that size. And when you get a major player like Lee and Lee and Cooler Master to really invest the time and the effort in, you know that market's beginning to grow. Mm-hmm. Those are really good points. Uh, I got a good question from uh, Bain, Bain, Bonato again um, uh-huh. on Discord. Uh, has Sapphire considered selling an aftermarket version of their heat sinks for the purpose of reference boards? <laughs> well, again, you're back to you have to design it for a reference board. Most of the heat sinks aren't designed for that. So you'd have to make an additional heat sink for a reference board. Now, when it comes to adding aftermarket stuff to video cards, this is an ugly market to get into. And the reason I say that is, first, it's a small market. It's it's just not going to be a very big market. And while a lot of the people that would put an additional cooler on their card would know what they're doing, you're going to get a lot of novices that want to try. And if they screw up their card, they somehow think it's the fault of the people that, that sold them the part. Even if you put a disclaimer on it, you do this, you, you void your warranty, blah, blah, blah. They still think it's the fault of the video card company that they've screwed this up that somehow it has to be their fault, that there was a design flaw in the card that they couldn't have screwed this up. It's an ugly market. It's just an ugly market to get into because from a support perspective, it's a black hole. You can't win. You can't win in that market. Yeah, no, that's tough. Could you, now this does point to 
a, a concept that would never fly, but is it possible that it, AMD and NVIDIA could one day agree, look, let's standardize PCB as part of our re-envisioning of ATX. Let's standardize a PCB and standardize keep-out zones and where memory is going to be so that you could have it more like the motherboard market where you can change the cooler or you can change other things on there. Um, I mean, it's a little more dangerous because there's no generally no heat spreader on GPUs, but maybe even using there's... heat spreaders to make it safer for people to upgrade things. I, I wouldn't say it's impossible. I'd say it's just not likely. Yeah. Um, first, it's AMD and NVIDIA agree, and, AMD and agree on anything. Just guys at that point crawl into a hole because the apocalypse is about to happen. Yeah. There's an asteroid about to hit the Earth and a black hole is following it. We're all dead. Yeah. So that being said, you've got the problem that you've got to get the partners to even agree to that. And now we're back to if you've completely standardized everything. Look what's happening with motherboards with this. If you standardize stuff enough, everything becomes the same. Yeah. yeah. And and so you can do little things to separate, but when you're already in a tight competitive market and you homogenize the market, I, I don't think that's good for consumers or for the company. You you just really hurt competition bad. Yeah. People like proprietary is always sucks for consumer, but it also enables well, Awesome things. I don't think you need proprietary, but you need the ability to differentiate yourself. I I I don't like proprietary, especially in gaming. I hate proprietary stuff in gaming. I I wish every game developer would just build to DX12 and leave us alone. If they all built to the DX12 standard, by the way, 90% of driver issues would disappear. So besides gaming, naming the two driver manufacturing companies, we should be naming the game developers who always want to cheat to try to find a way around. Um, I, I just don't see it. I, 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 the idea is interesting as an intellectual exercise. Yeah. Beyond that, no, <laughs> no. no. I, I wouldn't want to see it because once you do standardize stuff that much, you wouldn't be able to create the custom PCB boards with the right. finely tuned coolers and so on and so forth. I... I like, I'm with you, I like open standards, but I think the PC is open standard enough. I like the graphics card as a pre-built engineered component that you plug in, the one that you right. choose. Okay, well, we're, we're running out of questions. I, I, I got one. Holy crap, there's an end. I, I mean, there, there's, there's some other questions. Uh, uh, Wings Gordon, Cancer. Gordon d- might even get some of his. He missed him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wings Cancer is uh, wondering any, any uh, word on Operation Fit Gamer. Man, I haven't heard. So, so you guys might not know this. Um, I, I tried up. to, I, I tried to start an idea a while back called Operation Fit Gamer. Hold on a second. I think I've still got a T-shirt or two down here. Um, and the idea behind Operation Fit Gamer is that most PC gamers live a very sedate lifestyle. They don't get up. They don't move. They don't do do stuff. So the goal of Operation Fit Gamer was to convince gamers to get up and take a walk operation fit gamer t-shirt uh to get up and take a walk 30 minutes a day that's all we were asking to do to get up and take a walk 30 minutes a day we got t-shirts i was giving out Uh, there was just no interest 
Yeah. I, I was really surprised at how hard it was to get people interested in doing that. Um, to give you an idea what 30 minutes a day can do, and, and by the way, I fell off the wagon. I'm trying to get back on it. 30 minutes a day, I dropped my A1Cs from a level seven. That's the only thing I changed was I got up and walked 30 minutes a day. And my A1Cs dropped. I dropped 30 pounds because I got up and walked 30 minutes, seven days a week. Ed, you're not mentioning the most important part. Which is? You actually uh, play better because then you're, you're you mentally more focused your on your game. Better. Your uh, hand-eye coordination is better because you're out uh, looking at things far away. It might actually improve your gaming performance. By well, it'll, it'll go farther 2. than that. 2.5%. Uh, well, I don't know about quantitatively, but okay. <laughs> no, no, um, just put that on the box. But I'll go good. farther than with that. There's actually science behind the fact it's good for your mental health. Yeah. Walking 30 minutes a day actually reduces depression noticeably. It reduces anxiety levels noticeably. Uh, and we've seen all of this with me. With, with, with me. We saw this happen. Um. But it can be rough. And one of the things that makes it rough is not having people to do it with. Because when you do it with someone, as gamers, we're competitive. Okay? And and not many of us are not destructively competitive. Okay? I don't want to beat my opponent into the ground. Uh, I don't mind losing at video games. It just means I had fun. I don't care. But we're competitive. And when you've got that somebody else that's doing it with you, when you've got that somebody else that you're engaging with, that that drives you and it keeps you going. Uh, we started a Facebook group on that. And I just couldn't get enough interest. Um, I'm kind of sad about that, to be honest. I'd love to get it rolling again, but it, it, it you got to have people interested in it. I've got probably about 50 t-shirts here still. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll give some away. Uh, you we know, it is, it is real too, because uh, we did an interview with Miss Harvey um, a few years ago and I was really surprised because she was telling me about the gamer house she was in and they have a nutritionist and they have physical therapists because, you know, when you're playing games for eight hours a day, if you're not more fit and you're not eating the right food, yeah, more than that, well, then you're not competitive. You really you do have to be, be physically fit to be a good. You gamer. remember Jeff Robinson, right? Uh, no, I don't. But. In control of evil geniuses. Um, most people didn't realize he was a bodybuilding fanatic. And this is a big boy, big, muscular man. Um, and he was telling me he spent as much time in the gym as he did in front of the computer gaming. And he had to, to keep his sanity and to keep, and it made him a better gamer. Hmm. I've actually started doing that after the last couple of years, and it, I've found a better sense of balance because of it. It's yeah, important. It makes a difference. It, it, it's important to get up. Get up even for, like I said, thirty minutes a day. Thirty seriously. If you can't do thirty minutes a day, you got serious problems. It's time to figure something else out. I'm actually walking more than thirty minutes a day these days. Not because I'm trying to, but because I use it whenever I'm like, you know, this year being what it's being. If I find myself doom scrolling or getting mad at the TV, I'm just like, f it. I'm just gonna go take a walk instead. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got I got up at my peak. I was doing about an hour and a half a day. Uh, because it was just, it was wonderful. I'd walk in the middle of a rainstorm. I didn't care. It was just nice. wonderful to be out of the house and to be moving. Mm-hmm. But I, I admit it, I fell off the wagon. So tell them I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should. Yeah, me too. I've been walking a lot, but the last maybe week I've been taking a break, but I should. 
especially when my team lets me down. Actually, I, I think actually the good time to go is when you rage quit because your team is just nothing but morons. Just get out. Well, and well is that why we all rage quit? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely the team's fault. All right, yeah, I just, okay, I just wanted, it, wanted to bring that up. Uh, Gordon, else? any any other uh, questions you want to hit before I get to you my know, last one? I I think we're good. I was going to ask something, but I just realized if I if I asked, we'd be here for another two hours. So <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I not, but now people want to know, so I got to ask: Do you think there's an advantage to earlier on? You mentioned at one point mother, Sapphire motherboards with Sapphire GPU. Is there an advantage for vendors who offer a complete from GPU? It's practically an OEM experience, but tuned for higher performance. From a so mother, motherboard, everything case, all tied I, together. I, I don't know how much extra performance you can get out of the tuning. I, yeah. I don't know if you can get enough to justify it. I, I think there is a legitimate marketing advantage to approaches like that. Because, for example, you and I know that just because you buy a case from Corsair, doesn't mean you need a Corsair power supply and Corsair oh, no, fans to have a good experience. But there is this this sense of of completionist in gamers. And so when you buy, for example, I, I buy a I got a Logitech keyboard and mouse. Uh, don't wear a Logitech headphone because I'm a sound snob, Sennheiser, what can I say? <laughs> um, but if I were to buy another mouse, I'd buy a Logitech. Or if I were to buy another keyboard, or if I were to buy both at the same time, they'd both be the same brand. Doesn't make them better, but it makes me—I don't, I don't know—feel better about the purchase. It's a psychological thing. Um, from a marketing point of view, having various components to work together is is sound marketing strategy. Because you can market them together, you can package them together, and it, it tends to make people want to buy stuff. From a gamer builder perspective, it's absolutely meaningless. Because you can put a video card into any motherboard, and it's going to perform the same. Yeah. See, that doesn't take two hours. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then. There are things you could ask that could take two hours, but that doesn't take two hours. Well, then my uh, my final one is from uh, Ev- Evoca to Productions. Uh, it gave us like twelve dollars over the course of this thing. Awesome! Thank you so awesome. much. Uh, was talking about. <laughs> They're the... going to have me back on because I make them money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to taste. First, they said Gordon needs more RGB, uh, and then they, they also said, "Anyone remember the Nvidia Dawn demo?" Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, the last question, something that's near and dear to uh, the show's heart, uh, Ed. What do you think about Star Trek: The Motion Picture? <laughs> the original one. The original yeah. movie. Yes. <sighs> okay. the The Klingon scene was awesome at the beginning of the movie. I wanted so much to love the show because I'm a big Trekkie. I'm a ridiculous Trekkie. However, the motion picture was not the worst Star Trek movie, but it definitely wasn't the best. It, it wasn't to the caliber of uh, Wrath of Khan. It wasn't to the caliber of Undiscovered Country. But it was definitely better than in search of Spock and final frontier insurrection. I think it's probably the all time low for Star Trek yeah. newer. That's a new, yeah. One. For, well, for do for next generation, it absolutely. Um, <laughs> in fact, Boy. I don't think, I don't think it, next generation had a good movie. 
No, no, they were all pretty no. mediocre. So. Yeah, the, the the one that really disappointed me, the 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 version of Star Trek that didn't get fleshed out or done right, in my opinion, was Enterprise. Um, first time travel was introduced way too freaking early. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. And they ended it right at the beginning of the Romulan War, which was probably the most interesting time period for Star Trek pre-Federation. They could have had this amazing three, four seasons of the Romulan War, and they just decided to drop it. It, it was really sad. I think it could have been an amazing series, and they just butchered it to death. Yeah, I did really like, I really did like on Enterprise the alternate universe where they revisit that. That's always fun. So that was. That was kind of fun. That was kind of fun. Um, the enemy they fought, but the time travel stuff was just. Sci fi shows do this. It, it's like they run out of ideas and they go to time travel. Leave me alone. There's too much. 100%. Ideas. That was my thought when you said that. When you see time travel, that means somebody got bored. Somebody ran out of ideas. Yeah, they ran, and, they ran out of ideas. And there's too much depth there. Um, of story just between the novels and stuff there's so much depth of potential storyline and if you run out of storyline it's just really sad that's lack of imagination on the case of the writers yeah Here, here's else... one... oh good here's one for you guys get some geek on for you are you guys excited about the wheel of time television series i haven't heard of that you haven't heard of that yet i don't I don't have TV. I'm looking at it uh, now. It's Amazon. I think it's Amazon oh. that's doing it. So, oh, so here's okay. the thing with me. I love Wheel of Time. I bought them all as they were coming yes. out. It's been the same deal with Game of Thrones, actually. I haven't actually watched the Game of Thrones television show because I love the books so much. So I am somewhat on the edge about the Wheel of Time television show because the difference is Wheel of Time's already done, so I know how it ends, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. But I'm a big believer in largely keeping the medium separate like like if i have a book series that i really love and it gets turned into a movie it, it usually sucks so it's hard to get pumped game of thrones apparently even though i haven't seen it apparently excuse that and it's awesome uh and i feel like we might have too many expectations on wheel of time because game of thrones was such a big success well the the thing is wheel of times from a book perspective as someone that read it mm-hmm. is just it literally blows Game of Thrones away. It destroys oh, yeah. Game is... of Thrones as a book series. Um, there's that. And I don't know if you saw that Apple TV is getting ready to do the Foundation Trilogy mm-hmm. in a television series. So we've got some interesting sci-fi coming up. Um, much more interesting than another Star Trek or, or, or God forbid, what was it? Some idiot decided that maybe we need to redo Princess Bride. Uh. Yeah, and, and yeah. If, if they redo Princess Bride, you will see me go postal. You, you've got a movie that is perfection, and you want to mess with it. Hundred percent hard agree. Lower Decks, Star Trek Lower Decks looks actually pretty funny. If you've seen any of the trailers to me, so I'm yeah, I've, a I've lighter seen approach. Some, I, I've seen. Well, you've got that. You've got um. Oh, what was the name of the show? He Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of oh, the name just, of the series now. Not just Family uh, Guy. No, 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 no. But his Star Trek spoof. No, not, uh, not Experience. Yeah, I, oh, damn. I think it never really could decide whether it was serious or comedy. I always it thought didn't. it was. It, it, it always kind of walked an edge, but it was actually fun to watch. Yeah. 
Um, it, it was it was fun to watch. It had potential. Um, Orville, you, the Orville, Orville, oh, the Orville. Thank you. Chet. You've got that. You've got. Never watched um, that. You've got. Um, I'll think of it here in a minute. I can't remember. Oh, all these aren't names. they doing a Galaxy Quest show? Yes, they're going to do a, a Galaxy Quest okay. type show. Um, what's the What's the other sci fi? The more serious sci fi one about. Um, oh, sci fi. Let it go, and then. Um, Amazon or somebody picked it up. It's about mostly in the solar system, about the the asteroids and Mars and. God, I can't. I can't think of the name of it now. Um, no, I can't think of the name of it. But it's actually not a bad series. But then I watched this last. The Expanse. Season. The Expanse. Oh, the Expanse. Um, yep, yep. I, I watched this last season that they just did, and it, it feels like they jumped the shark. Mm. Um, we'll see how many of the younger people out there know that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> they know the phrase. Timeless. I actually disagree with it because people use it to indicate when Fozzie jumped the shark in Happy Days for people who don't know. Right. But it's interesting, but that actually wasn't the end of Happy Days. It actually continued to go up, and then it there was some other Happy Days occurrence that actually made it jump the shark. Interesting. Well, it, it, it jumped the shark to me was the end of the good writing for happy days um it it showed that there was just nothing there anymore they had they had they'd run out of gas um and that's what i think of when i think of the term jump the shark as a show has run out of gas it's going into it's going into time travel or it's going into some just outrageous storyline because it doesn't know where to go from there. See, you, you guys thought you were getting on here to look. This is the full nerd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Avaka Productions uh, gave us five more dollars and said they want to know uh, what your favorite Star Trek TV uh, show was. Which, which which one? Which show? Oh, sorry. Or, which, or series? Which, which series? Which series? Series. series. <sighs> they have an answer they hope you say. No pressure. No pressure. You know, I'm I'm gonna make an unpopular choice. I, 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 Gordon's probably gonna Voyager. Now. You're not gonna say Voyager. Oh no, God, no. <laughs> uh, I actually thought DS9 yes. had some yes, really good material I love DS9 in it. Too. Yeah, it, it had some of the ba- best space combat scenes. Uh, it had some amazing material. The romance, Jackson Worf. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you on that, but I still think was awesome. I still give the original series. It still sits at the top because everything else would not exist without it. But DS Nine really well, was, a, yeah. was definitely the best of all the series. I think best it, it's a fun argument. It's a fun argument. I love to get into people. They'll go Star Wars versus Star Trek, and, and I say you can't compare the two. Star Trek was science fiction. Star Wars was space opera. But <laughs> here's the funny thing: Star Wars couldn't have existed without Star Trek. Yeah. If the if the original series had never existed, there never would have been Star Wars because nobody would have known it was profitable. Yeah, nobody would have funded it. Yep. Yep. And they're both funny universes. Lucas said that, by the way. Lucas said that. Oh. Huh. He said a lot of things, but Well, good <laughs> he said some good things. <laughs> nice. All right. We should we should probably get out of here. We've we've been chatting for a there while. I'm ready for the lunch. We're gonna let everybody get lunch. <laughs> So, guys, thank you. Uh, this is fun. Anytime you want to do this, anytime. We'll this have you great. back. 
So check back next week for your Fix Up PC Talk on the Full Nerd for audio listeners. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Also send questions and comments to the thefullnerd.pcworld.com. And also please leave us a review at one of those services every time you do. Someone picks Star Trek DS9 as the best Star Trek series. <laughs> Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Brad Charkas. Big Navi Toxic confirmed. <laughs> Special guest, Ed Chrysler. See you guys around. And Adam's going to hit the off switch. See you later, Ed. It was awesome to have you on. Thank you so much. Thank we'll, you. Uh, we'll Thank you. Later. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, everyone. Bye.